KUFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It's the grim humor for which we're known, Tim. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of October in the year of our Lord 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO, beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us on this very fine Wednesday morning. It is uh, 503-228-4101. If you'd like to be part of the program, telephonically speaking, 503 503- 228-4101. You can text if you like at 52051. 52051. Or if you uh, want to email, you can do that as well, ladies and uh, gentle folk. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Uh, Sarah Dillon can be reached at sarah at uh, kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or Greg Nibbler, our production assistant extraordinaire, can be reached at nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R, at kufo.com. And apparently we're supposed to clarify... Right out of the gate this morning, that Kanye West is not dead. Even though five of the top seven Google search results this morning are phrases like, Kanye West is dead, and rest in peace, Kanye. So, not dead, apparently never was dead, apparently wasn't anywhere close to dead. It's just one of those things that in the last five hours somehow sprang into the public consciousness fully formed. So I'm kind of unclear as to, like, whence that derived, but, you know, we'll figure it out later on. But the Kanye West, not dead, like as of now at this very moment anyway coming up later on today we're going to talk to uh, tobin bell now you may not know the name tobin bell but you know exactly what he sounds like and you know that he terrifies you because he's the guy that plays jigsaw in all of the saw films so we actually pre-taped this interview with him uh yesterday because i think he was in england doing some press over there so it's not going to be a live interview it's actually taped which in a way is sort of worse because i was just it was back in the in the office editing it down and if you watch the Saw movies, the guy just had such a terrifying delivery. I mean, he's got that voice that kind of sounds like this. Game over. And the interview went uh, sort of much longer than we really have time for. So I'm kind of chopping it down to a usable length. Which means I got to hear his like, creepy-ass Saw voice over and over and over again as I'm editing it. It's all very unnerving. So that's going to come up uh, later on this morning. Tobin Bell from Saw at uh, 620. We'll talk to Cena Radio correspondent James Roop later on this hour about the uh, the Balloon Boy shenanigans, about which a second 911 call has come out. Yes, we're going to have that. So it's because that was the dad, right? Yeah. So was that a was that it was a, a, it was a command performance? Was it a dry run? Was it some sort of a a test for the actual 911 call that the uh, that the mom put out later on? Yes. It's, it's a different one. Oh, very weird. It's more theatric, I think. Uh, Ryan White from the Oregonian is going to be here later on today. Oregonian music editor Ryan White will have the top five at 720. Uh, we'll talk about the real world auditions that we went to yesterday. So the uh, the open casting call for the real world was at Grand Central Bowl on Morrison yesterday, late morning, early afternoon. And just in the real world, everybody waits in line for a long time. God, and just what a... What an unpleasant looking group of people. I mean, not the real world folks themselves from MTV, but I mean, most of the uh, most of the young, fresh faced hopefuls. It's just like bad perfume and early stripper stretch or marks. Not so fresh faced. That's the thing. I mean, the, half of them look like they were still drunk from the night before. I know it's Portland, but I mean, you could at least put on some sort of, you know, a facade of sobriety if you're going to be on camera. 
so we'll get to uh, that later on the day. Penis Watch coming up today. Geek Watch coming up. And a pair of tickets to uh, Pussifer, the sold-out show at the Roseland, November 14th. And they've added a show on the 16th. But the 14th has been, uh, it's sold out a long time. So, but we'll uh, have a pair of uh, tickets to that at some point today between now at 9 a.m., so uh, be listening. It's 503-228-4101. We are joined today, as always, by the uh, lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hi. I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I am fantastic. I should also point out that at 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to uh, David Keckner, who I-, I think at this point is best known as the big sort of sports casting buffoon from Anchorman. It's the guy with the, the big sort of lummox with the uh, with the cowboy hat. So he's, he's going to be uh, with us at 8 o'clock. And it's not Ketchner, because Nibbler and I kept saying Ketchner yesterday. And a listener caught that and said that it's pronounced Keckner, and that at some point in the near uh, past, there was some DJ somewhere that interviewed him and kept calling him Ketchner, and I guess he got a little uh, pissy about it. So we're going to uh, do our... Keckner? Keckner. It looks like it's Kechner. called like Kochner. It, it, I mean, it's, it's an odd name, so we're going to do our best not to mangle it later on. Oh, so. don't stress out about it. No, I'm not. Don't mess up, Rick. You look very Germanic today, by the way. Like you ought to be in some, like you ought to be in some weird turn of the century expressionist, uh, you know, like Nosferatu film or something. I have to get all my sweaters out. This is it's my winter clothing. Time. God damn, it was cold this morning. I hate to be that guy. Oh yeah, but I got it. It was just like that weird, drizzly, rainy cold that just, and it's the kind of cold that seeps right into your bones and guarantees that you're not going to be warm for the rest of the day. You could set yourself on fire, and you're still not going to have adequate warmth. So, all right, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Let's pay a visit to Tim Riley at the news desk. Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 506. We'll have more showers today. High temperatures about 60. About 2,000 lost power overnight after a car hit a pole near Northeast 142nd Avenue in Halsey. Oregon Congressman Greg Walden has the swine flu. In a tweet to his constituents, the politician wrote, Ugh, off to seclusion for a while. Starting next month, the state will insure 35,000 low-income adults with health insurance. The state will choose the lucky winners through some type of lottery. Clark County cracking down on drivers not wearing seatbelts. Starting Friday, they begin handing out $124 tickets. The law applies to anyone 16 years old and older. No, it's not true. Kanye West is not dead. Apparently, somebody started this internet rumor. It is not so. Jail swindler Bernard Madoff's investment firm threw wild drug fuel sex parties for Wall Street Titans who was supposed to be guarding the client's cash. That's one of the allegations in a lawsuit filed yesterday against firms that did business with the super swindler. Lawyers from some of Maddox's uh, victims based their suit on eye-opening four-hour interviews at a North Carolina prison where he's spending the rest of his life. The lawsuit alleges... The company's considered Madoff's special investors knew his office was being supplied with drugs as early as 1975. In fact, the financial gurus overseeing the feeder funds were invited to participate in the firm's X-rated revelry. The lawsuit says a significant amount of money stolen from investors went to these lavish indulgences. A dozen companies and individuals are named in the lawsuit, including J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of New York Mellon, and Auditor's KPMG. Well, it was just some sort of investment perk, Tim. I mean, if you spill, you know, if you have seven billion dollars that you ripped off, I mean, what are you going to do? Just, just stick in the bank and let it accrue, you know, one point two five percent interest every year? I mean, you have wild sex parties. Something interesting with that. Back of the Kanye West thing for a second. So, does anybody? Yeah, I didn't hear that. See, I, and see, I hadn't heard anything about it either because it apparently it happened late last night. 
yeah, late last night, early this morning, because when I went to bed at, I don't know, maybe 1030 or something last night, I hadn't heard anything about it. And I woke up this morning and it was, I mean, half the Google search results were all variations of Kanye West. It's being dead. R.I.P. Kanye West and the phrase Kanye West dead. Hey, speaking of which, have you seen that new, that Spike Jones short film that came out? Mm-hmm. I have not. It was a, it came. It was on the uh, net as of I don't know about twenty four hours, thirty six hours ago. It's a new. It's a I don't know, like a seven minutes f- uh, film from Spike Jones, the guy that did Where the Wild Things Are, uh, that has Kanye West in it. Um, and it's it's this sort of weird, like abstract, surreal film about Kanye West battling his inner demons and everything. And it's really beautiful, but it's really sort of effed up in the way that all that uh, the Spike Jones stuff sort of is. So it's all like they're very creepy. Hey, back on the guy having swine flu. So this is it. This, this isn't the um, this isn't the the swine flu thing that they were saying that there's like some new super strain of it that's already developed resistance to the antibiotics. Is there? As far as I know, this is the plain old H one N one. Because there was some story yesterday where it said that they not only like before the vaccine has even come out. I mean, we had the story yesterday that they're already the 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 um, that the supplies of the vaccine have already been depleted in Portland, which doesn't make any sense because the last time we checked, they hadn't even gotten them in stock. They were out yesterday. See, how is it Again, the, I don't understand. Well, they're not telling anyone they have it, and then when they run out, they say they ran out. So is that the deal, is that they get it in stock, but they don't actually bother to announce that fact? Correct. Because ever since we talked to what's it, we in the space of 24 hours, we knew two people that had either gotten the vaccine because somebody they knew had it or that themselves had it because uh, Jim Roop wanted to get the swine flu vaccine and then Lisa Desjardins actually came down with the swine flu itself. That was the day that I think we all decided we were going to do it. And yet we couldn't find anybody in the city that said they had it in stubborn. They said, no, 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 we're still waiting on the delivery. It's going to be weeks before it gets here. And then the next thing we knew is that yesterday was all out. So I guess they just... I guess it's kind of a Russian roulette thing. It's kind of like thing. a speakeasy type of thing. <laughs> where they just, yeah, but you just, like, you have to go and you have to ask for Maurice. What's the password? Or something. But they won't actually volunteer that they have it. And that must be because they want to prevent some sort of a run. You know, like everybody descending on the hospital to get, uh, you know, inoculated or whatever. And then yesterday, they said that there's already some variation on the swine flu coming out that they think that it's going to be, it's going to be uh, resistant to all of the vaccines that they're doing. So... Anyway, the upshot is we're all going to perish horribly and in agony. So you have that to look forward to. No, we always survive, no matter what. Really? Yes. Right Every down, time. Right down the day and time you said that. It's 503-228-4101. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up later on this hour, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us about the uh, Balloon family and their various trials and travails. Coming up later on this morning at 620, we will talk to Tobin Bell from the Saw Films, Oregonian music editor Ryan White at 7 o'clock and more. Stay right there. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show, right here on Rock 101 KUFO, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. It is Wednesday morning. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 540 this morning, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop. Hey, with us from uh, Los Angeles to talk about the latest with the Nutcase Balloon family. Coming up at uh, 6 o'clock, Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. By the way, can I just say this, that uh, there were many of us, as they say in the movie Singles, uh, having many beers last night. And someone whose name rhymes with Sarah Dillon, but who will not be further identified at this point in time. 
As the night went on and as this person who is a lot like Sarah Dillon got progressively drunker, <laughs> she kept demanding that Greg Nibbler say, let's talk balls for the amusement of uh, of all and sundry who were in attendance. It makes me happy and he kept refusing and it was, that well, was kind of well, mean. That's the thing. You can't always give the people what they want, Sarah. You got to hold back a little bit. You got to make the people work for it. So Greg, by the way, who... The other day, it was like he sort of sounded okay, but he looked awful. And today, he looks much better, but he sounds terrible. You know, I, I completely agree. I I feel fine, but I don't know what's going on. I, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, you guys sound some a lot of, different. There's some, something some, in the air. Something there's, something degenerating deep inside your throat this morning. <laughs> yes. Did you? How late were you up last night? I wasn't up that late. I, I was probably in bed by. 10, 1030. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, we do, yeah. But I think we left a little bit uh, after you did. You were sort of doing like metric drinking, though. I mean, it's, it was sort of like you were drinking as though you had initially planned to be up till 3 a.m. And so you just compressed the alcohol consumption down. Nibble you know? and I went shot for shot, too. Really? Yeah, we both had... I don't know Three? who that's more impressive for, actually. I'm not even really sure. I don't even really know who that's a bigger stretch for at this point. We both had like three or four shots of whiskey. <laughs> well done. All right, Gotta pack it in. Yes. 503-228. You've got to live while you're alive, Greg. Uh, it's 503-228-4101 coming up at 6 o'clock. Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler, 620 today. We'll talk to Tobin Bell, who is uh, Jigsaw from all the Saw films, including Saw 6, which opens this Friday. 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. And uh, 8 o'clock, David Keckner from uh, Anchorman. And uh, he's been on The Office as well and several other things. 503-228-4101 at the news desk. It's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 523. We're going to have showers again today. Highs about 60. A jerk who threatened innocent people with a gun at a Gresham Max platform is being sent up the river. Joshua Johnson will spend the next 84 months behind bars after threatening two ladies. Cops found him at home with a loaded gun shortly after the incident. A serial robber is under arrest. 42-year-old Michael Jean Benson has been linked by DNA evidence to stick-ups at two Motel 6s, a travel lodge, the Liberated World Adult Store, Blackwell Steakhouse, and Ed's. Something or other. Just as Ed's. Ed's. And at the old Jenkins barn down the road, he's, where he engaged in all kinds of larcenous behavior. Ed's. He's also suspected of knocking off four other Clackamas County stores. Well... Forget Viagra. Apparently, all it takes now is a nice bowl of soup from a New York restaurant where owners are claiming it is helping patrons, quote, get it on till the break of dawn, unquote. This is called Viagra soup. One patron of the New York res uh, restaurant said, when I get home, my wife better be ready. I just had the soup. I I think I speak for everybody when I say that Viagra soup is a uniquely uh, unsettling phrase. Viagra soup sounds like... Um Viagra soup sounds like a, a a side effect or perhaps an eventual result of taking an aphrodisiac. Perhaps not the aphrodisiac itself. I guess you can make this at home because here are the ingredients. Fish, shrimp, lobster, crabs, clams, and a half shot of crabs. tequila. Right. <laughs> crabs, yes. It's proven to be a hot item at the restaurant. As a matter of fact, it costs $32 a bowl. I think the New tequila may be the magic ingredient there. I'm just speculating. I'm not a scientist, you understand. But I, I think really, if the whole point of this, as it, as the article seems to indicate it is, is to uh, get guys to want to go home and strip their wives, I think maybe the tequila might be the, uh, that might be the core bit of this particular kind of soup. But I'm, I'm just guessing. Oh, that big-hearted Miley Cyrus. What's she up to now? She's helping children with cancer. She's helped make a five-year-old cancer patient's wish. Don't smoke. True. <laughs> Madison Boudreaux of Louisiana has bone cancer and only one wish. To meet 
Miley Cyrus. Well, last night, Miley played in New Orleans Arena and with the help of the Louisiana State Police Department's Troop C Grant-A-Wish program, the little girl with cancer was able to meet her favorite singer. Uh, Troop C stepped in to help after the girl's parents tried to contact Cyrus's people to arrange a meeting. They got no response. But a letter from the Louisiana State Police caught the attention of Cyrus's people. The meeting was set up, and her twin brother and parents all met Miley Cyrus after the show. This is what happens when celebrities stop twittering. There's no way to reach them to, uh, you know, to, to go and entertain the, uh, the small fry. Millions of people drowning in a sea of medical debt. That's the focus of a Senate hearing featuring Elizabeth Edwards. Now, there's a name from the past. She is the uh, wife. Well, I guess she's still the wife, kind of, of uh, John Edwards. She testified on Capitol Hill about the staggering number of people facing bankruptcy because of rising medical debts. Edwards said, quote, financial problems are a major hazard of underinsured and non-insured. You think this would be the least of her worries, but apparently not. She said many are harassed by creditors as they struggle to pay the potentially life-saving medical care they really need. She's I don't really know that Elizabeth Edwards has a lot of other worries at this point, though, because I was reading some article the other day that she's taken that guy for like $450 million because he was worth just a massive amount of money because he was a trial lawyer, John Edwards yeah. was. And when he wasn't, when he wasn't bidding, sitting around sort of you know, tending to that huge Fisher-Price head of his and that massive helmet of hair... He had something. It was, it was some unbelievable amount of money. I mean, he wasn't a billionaire, but I mean, he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars, almost all of which is going to go directly to her at this point. I think that she had finally booted him out of that house they were living in, too. And of all of the women, I mean, not like Elizabeth Edwards was a beauty queen or something, but that Riley Hunter uh, woman, who's like, the, the, I guess, the father of the uh, of, of the love, the, the, the child, more. She's just a weird, leathery, strange-looking woman. I mean, and it's funny because he could have done better with his that's, money. That's exactly the thing. It's like you would think with a, you know, it's some like, hut young thing and should have, what, should have taken some a tip shriveled from, up older woman. Should have taken a tip from Bernie Madoff. I mean, th- that Riley Hunter uh, it seems like she seems like a woman who might have been attractive once upon a time, and it's not so much the age as it is. It looks like she was sort of. She's like something you left out in the sun overnight. You know what I mean? You know, inadvertently. Like you sort of left it exposed to a heat lamp you know, that was set on high way too long. She kind of looks like a leathery sort of side of the road version of someone who might have been attractive once. Here's uh, Tim Riley. It is staggering. Kelly Osborne is on the men following a foot injury on Monday night's Dancing with the Stars. I hope she didn't uh, destroy her feet. The 24-year-old daughter of Ozzy danced the Paso Doble. The Blank Sabbath's Crazy Train. What, what audiences didn't see was the painful misstep in the final moment of the dance with Louis Van Amstel. Amstel uh, says that uh, Kelly visited Cedars-Sinai immediately after the show for an X-ray and an MRI. Ozzy was on hand at the studio for the broadcast and later accompanied Kelly to the hospital. She checked in with concerned fans and confirmed her injury. The reality show star tweaked. Thank you very much for all the well wishes. It really hurts. But the good news is it's not broken, but it's going to be a bit painful for a while. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Sometime between now and 9 a.m. You have a shot at a pair of tickets to see Pussifer, the sold-out show at the Roseland. So be listening for that. That is uh, on the horizon sometime between now and 9 a.m. Coming up at 540, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop joining us from uh, Los Angeles. Ryan White from the Oregonian at 6 o'clock. David Keckner from Anchorman coming up at uh, 8 a.m. And uh, later on the day, we have Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk as well. Stay there. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. 
It's the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101 on this Wednesday morning. Coming up here in just a few moments, we'll speak with CNN radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles. Coming up at the top of the hour, Greg Nibbler's ball talk at uh, 620. Tobin Bell, who is uh, Jigsaw from the uh, many Saw films, and whose speaking voice, by the way, this is a niche reference. Totally unnerving. Well, it's unnerving because he sounds. I mean, he sounds just like like he does in the films, but also he sounds just like uh, the, the, what's his name? He sounds just like Frank Darabont, who was the guy, the director who did uh, Shawshank Redemption and The Mist, and who seems to be on that that John Favreau that uh, Dinner for Five thing all the time. So it was just doubly weird kind of talking to him yesterday. Uh, coming up at 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will be joining us. And uh, 7.20 today, uh, Top 5 and David Keckner uh, from Anchorman coming up at uh, 8 a.m. Tim Riley is working on the following stories on your Wednesday morning. A drunk woman tells her boyfriend she's going to jump out of the car and does and then is run over. Kanye West is not dead and Gresham will definitely not change its chicken law. Well, all right then. Rick, are you going to interrupt the uh, Kanye West story with Kanye West? No, no, I'm not. No, but see, but, but I, I like the way you, I like your meta style of thinking. I hadn't even really anticipated that. Well done, Sarah Dillon. We should say also that we have some uh, audio from yesterday's real world auditions. So there was a sort of, I mean, audition is, is really overstating it a bit because it was kind of an open casting call. So this was at Grand Central Bowl. This happened uh, yesterday because we had had the casting director on on Monday. And so that we go to Grand Central yesterday and there was, I mean, it, it was just, I mean, it was just like a parade of douchebags. I mean, just like as far as the eye could see. It was kind of fun being judgmental though. It really was. That's where most of our life's enjoyment comes from, Sarah. That is, uh, that is really where most of the pleasure is, uh, is derived in our existence. So we were kind of standing inside there and wondering exactly who was going to get in and who wasn't and who was going to sort of, you know, who was going to make a good impression on camera. And you do realize what a tricky job it must be to be a casting director for the real world because at this point, I mean, the show's been on for, I mean, this is, this is going to be the 24th season. And everybody we saw was just a variation on some previously existing type. I mean, every single person who was there looked like somebody that had been on a previous incarnation or previous season of the show. Wow, these could be children of some of the first real-world contestants, see, if you want to think of it that why way. Do you gotta, and see, putting it that way just makes me feel older than I already do. Um, I was thinking about that the other day, standing up. But line. God, man, I mean, it's, it's not like I'm some sort of a fashion plate. I, uh, Rick Emerson is not an aesthetic role model. But there were any number of people yesterday that it looked it looked like some sort of like a looked like a really um, the poorly stocked thrift store had exploded all over them, and then they had spent the last few nights sleeping in a gutter. There was a girl. I want to I won't even describe what she looks like, but I will say that she looks a little bit like someone we know. I'll just put it that way, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Hungover girl. Yes. Yes, she looked like someone we hungover girl. She looks like a friend of ours who does seem to be drunk almost all the time. Uh, and there was this awkward moment where she was uh, leaning back and doing this sort of yawn and this stretch and then just exposing like a whole series of bad tattoos and stretch marks and everything. It was all very unpleasant. So we'll have some audio from that uh, later on the day. But it was, I mean, it was, it was, a, you know, like the bottom three or four rungs of Portland humanity that were sort of uh, the on display. The orange girl was my favorite. That's the other thing, man. And I guess it was, I guess Paul Mitchell, uh, you know, the makeup or the cosmetics company, they were part of the sponsor or they were helping to sort of put it together. And I, again, it's not like I really, you know, walk out of the house looking flawless every day. But there were any number of people there yesterday who could have done with a good hosing off followed by a good speckling. It's 503-228-4101 at the news desk. It's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth.
This is Tim Riley. Hello again. It is 544. More showers today. High temperatures about 60. For your convenience, Oregon is now offering electronic end-of-life forms. They're available in PDF. Talk about convenience. It'll make it easy for everyone. Once the time comes, they are available at polst.org. That's polst.org. What is an end-of-life form? Well, it gives instructions. Say you're lying in a hospital bed. Do you, do you want to be continue to be plugged in or have the plug pulled, that type of thing? Oh, it's just like the do, the do not resuscitate thing right. or whatever? I have one of those in my will. But most you know most people do not, and it's easier for It goes online. Someone can just go right to it. But if you've got like nutcase family members or something, like if you've got a bunch of uh, the, the, the whacked out religious uh, the, you know, parents or something, can't they just, I mean, can they just ignore that? Or is that a thing that the doctor has to follow? Doctor has to follow that. Really? I've had relatives who follow to a T. All right. I'm just... That's the sort of thing that I, uh, that is the sort of, one of the reasons that Laura and Make I got sure married, actually, is because her, you know, when she and I were just living together, we were just dating, you know, even though, I mean, Laura and I were, you know, my now wife and I, when we were just, uh, before we were married, we, you know, we, we were courting. Well, we were, yes, yes, when I was just her suitor, Tim, when I was Sitting standing, on porch swing. when I was standing underneath her balcony and Ciro, uh, Cyrano was, was the crouching behind me in the shrubs, um, that she and I were, you know, talking, but we, we were domestic partners. We were talking about what that got us and what it didn't. And like her parents had no qualms about telling me that, you know, that they were not going to listen to anything I had to say. Like if she was ever like in a coma or she was irreversibly, you know, injured in some way, they were just like, well, we're not going to let your boyfriend decide what happens to you, which is really one of the big reasons that we decided to get married. Cause I was like, well, have spiteful. Yeah. F that hillbilly jackass. Uh, you know, so I wasn't seriously, I wasn't going to sit and let my, uh, let my in-laws decide that. I don't blame you. So I just decided to uh, just to nip that right in the bud. Here's the thing I always think about, though. The question that I always have that no one is really ever able to answer is this. First of all, two. One, in Oregon, there's the assisted suicide thing, which means that if you've got some, I think it's like if you've got some disease that is, it's, you know, if it's terminal, it's going to kill you within six months. And you, it's got the, you know, you've got overwhelming pain. They'll give you the, um, they'll give you whatever the assisted suicide drug is. Mm-hmm. But I always wonder if that's a thing that you have to be able to take yourself. In other words, if you got like one of those horrible, like one of those Lou Gehrig's disease kind of things, and you're not able to, you know, you're not able to do it yourself. Right. Is that a thing that like they'll have somebody come do for you? Or do you have to be able to administer it yourself? And the second thing I wonder is, if you go to the doctor and you get your assisted suicide drugs and then you end up not taking them, you know, like you die first or something, like what happens to those? Where do they go? Because I wonder if there's just a bunch of assisted suicide drugs just floating around uh, in Oregon that nobody took and that oh, weren't ever really disposed uh, yeah, of. Yeah, I'm sure that they're properly monitored. I just, uh, it's sort of the, you know, one of the things I wonder about. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent and man of the world, James Roop. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm very well. Good morning. Uh, I have to ask you if there's going to be any breaking news on the uh, balloon boyfriend. And the only reason I do that is because it seems like every time I go home, take a nap, turn off my phone, go to the movies, do anything, something happens. Like they'll find another 911 call or they'll discover that the dad had created opening credits and jingles to 15 different TV series that were never actually going to be launched anywhere. Or now they're saying, I guess there's some friend of the wife who's saying that she was a virtual slave in her own home. That's a family that seems to get weirder by a factor of ten about every day and a half. Almost every, almost every hour. Yeah. It seems uh, the FAA has launched their investigation. That's They've launched an investigation. Uh-huh. 
Yes, they have. Right. Um, and this is what the sheriff was saying, you know, is that he's going to give what he has to the FAA and the FBI and see if there are federal charges that are appropriate for this particular incident. I don't expect charges will be filed until next week, maybe even late next week. There's no way they're going to want to piecemeal this thing. They're going to put a full package together um, before they um, before they take it to the DA, and then the DA is going to decide if if uh, we, they should pursue this thing or not. So we'll, we'll have to see what happens, but it's not going to be this week. I don't so what is it they would hit this guy with? I mean, the, the, you can't... Well, there's conspiracy to commit a crime. There's contributing to the delinquency of a minor and influencing a public official. Those are felonies. And then there's the misdemeanor filing a false police report. But they also are looking at the federal charge of something to do with public transportation, either uh, danger to public transportation or some sort of effect to public transportation because they had to divert flights at Denver International uh, around this balloon that was flying across the uh, uh, Colorado skies. So you know, they're seeing what they can make stick before they're, they're going to go after the guy. doesn't seem like you can be diverting a Black Hawk helicopter from someplace where it's probably needed a whole lot more without the man deciding to punish you uh, to, uh, to a significant degree for that. Oh, and they're going to send these folks a bill, <laughs> too. I mean... That's awesome. See, that's a reality show that I would actually watch. And the Heenies, they're going to lose that. They're going to lose their kids. They're going to lose their home because they got to pay this this bill for all these reasons. I mean, it's just it's fourteen grand just for the helicopter. I mean, it's I, I it's it's unbelievable how this guy through his selfishness just totally turned his entire family's lives upside down. Here's what they ought to do: they ought to tell this this guy, this uh, Richard Heaney uh, guy, they to say, look. Here's the thing. We're going to bill you like five hundred grand for all this. Oh, and by the way, you're going to lose your house, and you may, in fact, uh, serve some sort of a time for something or other. But weren't they just renting that house? I don't think they owned a house. Is that well? I, you know, I don't, they were renting the house in Burbank here. Ah, okay. Ago, so maybe they are. I, I don't know. They ought to tell him though that they will cut all of the money. They'll cut the money in half by like fifty percent. Whatever it is that he gets hit with in terms of fine or uh, the possible uh, the jail time or money or whatever, say like we'll cut it in half. But the deal is. We're going to fit you with a camera that's mounted on a baseball cap you have to wear all the time, like for the next 10 years. Just, and, that we, and that we can then watch online. So as he's sort of out picking up cans to pay the rent, you know, or if he's, uh, you know, as he's like at the pawn shop going, how much for my shoes? Uh, that we'll be able to watch that as a nation and it'll bring us together and we can bond over it. Heaney TV, that's all we need. That's what I'm saying right there. See, the, 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 you and I together, my friend, we have all the great ideas. I would be willing to reduce that guy's, uh, you know, all of his other restitution. You by like fifty, sixty, seventy percent if if he allows us to watch and mock the rest of it. You know, I would definitely I would tune in. You just pass that along to whoever it is might be a power broker in your neck of the woods. I will do my best. All right. Excellent, my friend. Have a, a fantastic day. We will speak with you in the Thanks. immediate future. Thank you so much. See you then radio correspondent James Roop. All right, it's five oh three two two eight four one oh one. We'll uh, do this straight ahead. We have Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk coming up at six o'clock. Six twenty, Tobin Bell from uh, the Saw films, including Saw Six, which opens this Friday. Seven o'clock, Ryan White from the Oregonian. Seven twenty, the top five, eight o'clock, David Keckner from Anchorman and a pair of tickets to see Pussifer at some point. Keep listening. We're back right after this. More of the Rick Emerson show in mere moments. Only on Rock One O One. KUFO. KUFO, Portland. It's the
the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 620, Tobin Bell from uh, Saw 6 and Saw 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 and 1. Coming up at 7 o'clock, Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. At 720 today, the top five. And at uh, 8 o'clock, David Keckner from uh, Anchorman and The Office. Some point between uh, now and 9 a.m., we'll also have a, a pair of Pussifer tickets uh, for you. That is uh, to the sold-out show, which is on the 14th. So there's uh, no tickets available. They they added a, a second show on the 16th. The 14th, though, is uh, has been sold out for, for quite some time. So we'll have a pair, uh, pair of tickets for you today, some point before 9 a.m. Also, this phrase from the Seattle Times. More charges are coming. They've been having sex with full-grown horses. There you go. That's uh, on the way. Plus, Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines for you on this Wednesday morning. So Comcast will put a lot of its shows online by the end of the year. Some of the shows that you can't see right now. A man is arrested after falling asleep in a walk-in freezer. And once again, Kanye West is not dead. Now, do we know the sort of genesis point for Kanye West being dead, the rumor? It said R.I.P. Kanye West. Right, but I mean... Uh, in a, a Twitter. From... I don't know. Just from some, <laughs> from from some guy. You know, it really doesn't matter who anything is from anymore. No, I guess that's... I guess that's, Anyone can start any rumors about anyone. And sometimes they come true, sometimes they do not. This is one of those cases when it was not true. I suppose Others it have if, been uh, true. I suppose that if one is to uh, begin rumor mongering, the law of averages indicates that, uh, you know, that dictates that eventually you will be correct about something, if only by sheer happenstance or luck. And, and then uh, bad luck will hit you eventually. It is comma. Uh, that's right. You'll get cancer. Mm-hmm. That's or what worse. happens to people who start rumors, Tim. They get cancer. Mm-hmm. And they die crazy. painfully and alone. What? Cedric, you're crazy. I'm talking about Kanye West. It's 503 503-228-4101. 503-228-4... And they're shunned by their family. Their hair falls out. It's 503-228-4101. It's that time once again. It's Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. All right, in Major League Baseball news, the Yankees beat the Angels 10-1 to yesterday to take a 3-1 to lead in their series. A-Rod hit a homer in his third straight game. And the Dodgers are at the Phillies for their series tonight. The Phillies could clinch a trip to the World Series uh, by winning tonight because they won on Monday in a last-second uh, double by Jonathan Broxton that uh, won that game for them in the ninth inning. And where was the Dodgers star Manny Ramirez in the bottom of the ninth inning when all this was going on, he'd already left to go take a shower. So while his team was losing (laughs) on the field, Manny had decided to go in and take a shower, was completely unaware that this happened. He he said he uh, got out of the shower, came out, saw it on television, then everybody started coming in and, and they turned the television off. And that's all he knew about it. He had no idea, and then he just decided to leave. Was his like was his thinking that I, he might as well get in there while the shower is empty? I don't know. This is what Manny Ramirez does. I think the only things that go through his mind are hit the ball, smoke a joint, and hot chicks. <laughs> I think that is all that is in Manny Ramirez, Ramirez's head. And he's very good at all three of those things, I'm sure. But that is that is it. Yeah, left during the ninth inning while his team lost this heartbreak of a game. He's there taking a shower. So that is Manny Ramirez. He's you. like one of those. You'll see uh, rock stars like this occasionally where 
they really only know get on stage, play guitar, jump up and down, snort lines of blowback in the hotel. Yeah. All they know is that somebody puts them on a plane, somebody gets them off a plane, somebody points them towards the stage, yeah. somebody points them back towards the dressing room. Everything other than, outside of that is just a blur. That's that's exactly what he is. Awesome. I mean, he actually didn't show up to a game one time. <laughs> well just, done. Yeah, just didn't show up. Uh, so in NBA news, uh, Utah beat Portland 108-97 to last night, but the uh, league might get their actual refs back in time for the season to start. They've been using the replacement refs, which has been horrible. Uh, really, really bad calls. And so it looks like, though, the referees and the league might come to an agreement before the start of the season. And in hockey news, normally don't cover a whole lot of hockey here, but I uh, wanted to talk about this. The Tampa Bay Lightning, which is an NHL team, apparently engaged in a game of strip shootout with themselves after practice the other day. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little odd. So after practice, I guess they all decided this would be really fun. Hey, guys, who wants a nice round of homoeroticism? Let's all go to the gym. Yeah, so they uh, they engaged in a game of strip shootout where one player would try to score a goal, and if he lost, oh, off went something, and uh, they proceeded to strip like off all of their clothes. Like his facade of heterosexuality? Yeah, yeah, and uh, apparently, though, they were having a lot of fun. They were having a lot of fun with it. Uh, they said it lightens the mood, and it's always good to do stuff together. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is that's hockey. So and, uh, and they're tired of skipping just to the have sex part. Yes. Let's cut to the chase. So anyway, that concludes this edition of Ball Talk. Wow. Yeah. That seems a little dangerous to it, play strip hockey. It. Yeah, you would think so. Did you get your junk stuck to the ice? Uh, yeah. I Those mean, pucks are hard. Uh, yeah, they really true. are. They I really never are. thought about that. Hey, is it true that if, are you a hockey fan? Uh, I, you know, I, seeing hockey live, it is actually a lot of fun, but I, I don't watch it on TV or really follow it. Is it true that if you're watching hockey, that, that if someone uh, bleeds, that blood bounces on the ice? I'm not sure, although that would make sense, I guess, if it's that cold. I always heard that, and it's the sort of thing that seems plausible, but then I realize it only seems plausible because I don't know anything about science. Like, I have so little, as we found out yesterday, with the whole business of trying to figure out how many balloons it would take to carry me away. I have so little science knowledge that when someone says, well, you know, when uh, when you bleed on, uh, on ice, the blood bounces because of the temperature differential, and I kind of go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and I nod and I smile <laughs> like I know what the F I'm talking about, yeah, and I yeah. don't. Oh, yeah, no, no. That's, that's true. I saw a thing about that on TV. I saw no thing about that. Saw it on Mythbusters. There's something I heard. All right. It's 503-228-4101. That's another edition of Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler. Coming up at 620, an interview with uh, Tobin Bell from Saw 6. 7 o'clock, we have uh, Ryan White from the Oregonian. 720, the top five. 8 o'clock, David Keckner from the office and Anchorman. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland. Broadcasting from the greatest city on earth. Insert Middle East country here for Comic Effect. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KULO. Oh, Tim Riley, the only newsman you'll ever need. When he asked what, she says, a flash. And proceeded to drop her bottoms, flash her vagina, then turn around, spread her cheeks, and flash her rear. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Then she turned around again and flashed her vagina. It's like... That makes it sound as though she's doing some sort of nude vagina-showing pirouette. You know what I mean? Yes. And the business of the... I hate to put it this way. The business of the spreading is, I think, that's where someone misread the memo. I I mean, unless that's much more of a fetish and niche-oriented community than I really gave it credit for. Is that right outside of Seattle, though? 
That story, the uh, the vagina flashing, isn't that uh, that oh, coffee that's place? The coffee shop. It's, it's right outside of. It's not Bremerton. It's uh, it was, Everett, wasn't it? Everett. Yes. So that is not too far from. I mean, let's be honest. That's not too far from the point of origin for the story about having relations with full-grown horses. Yeah. Which, which, incidentally, just if I could just answer a little bit of uh, the questions that are already coming in about this story right here. Yes, this is about the same place in Enumclaw. For the love of God. You, you, you people in Enum have got to quit having relations with farm animals. It is, as I say, tainting the name of your town. But you know what I mean. It's, it, it really is giving your town a black eye. That, that also sounds improper. But you, it's just knock it off. Just to, to get. I mean, rent a girlfriend if you have to. Just to, to find a better way to spend. So your is time. it guys? Yes, it's always guys. When is the last time? Of course, it's guys. Women. That, I don't wish to work blue. I'm just going to say that... Uh, well, they, they need to uh, expand their horizons how do, well, from what's available in town. How do I put this? It's not as though women... Uh, it's not as though women don't have um, devices or objects that are uh, owned or manufactured for the purpose of sexual gratification. Clearly, there's an entire industry sort of predicated on that. I mean, I don't think anybody... Not like anybody, you know, any, any quarrel with that fact... But guys, the, the guys always just take it to some completely unacceptable extreme, and I'm having to be very uh, sort of circumspect about this because because it's Enumclaw, and because this is everybody knows what comes out of Enumclaw. It's guys who get it on with horses and then end up with a perforated colon in the emergency room. I mean, that's just that's what that town is known for. You know what I mean? It's like Portland is known for rain and coffee, and Seattle is known for Boeing, and Wenatchee is known for. I don't know, child sex rings run by priests. And Enum Claws don't for guys who have perforated colons because they go and they engage in all kinds of unnatural acts with barnyard animals. Except in Enum Claw, they don't even count as unnatural acts anymore. They are, in fact, I think that they're just becoming the sort of social standard there. It's, it's mainstream. That's what it must I'm have really there. pretty horses in Enum Claw. I, it's a, it's, I, there must be. There must be some sort of Enum Claw Ellensburg, uh, you know, the, the, the Equine Beautification Act that I wasn't really, uh, the, you know, aware of. It's 503-228-4101. Here in just a uh, few moments, we will have our interview with Tobin Bell. Uh, plays uh, Jigsaw in all six Saw movies, including Saw 6, which opens this Friday. Tim Riley is tracking the following stories for you on this Wednesday morning. Well, it looks like the Made in Oregon sign could change hands. We'll have more on that. Also, those uh, two roughnecks that were throwing rocks from an overpass near Tacoma, they're going to do some serious prison time. And we have two great 911 calls. Richard Heaney's first 911 call, and Courtney Kardashian gets her house robbed. Hi, Rick Emerson. Show who's this? This is Christina. Hey, what's up? Blood does not bounce off the ice. The only thing that bounces off the ice is the sticks, the pus, and the ashes. And how do you know this? Have you seen blood hit the ice? Yes, I have. I grew up with a hockey family. So now, is, so you're saying definitively that if a guy gets cut or if he's uh, you know gets a puck right to the face or something, blood out of it, out of the head down to the ground hits the ice, isn't going to bounce. It just uh, what it just lays there. Naturally, but once it actually hits and lands, it stays there. Yeah, it'll freeze a little. Well, this is way less interesting than I. Uh, I mean, this at some point might have motivated me to actually go see a hockey game if I was going to see bouncing blood. But now, uh, now I don't <laughs> even have that inducement. All right, it, thank you. It, uh, it does stay very cold in the arena, but not cold enough for it to freeze in the air. Well, all so. right, we'll have to invent some new sport in which bouncing blood is a requirement. Thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for clarifying that. No problem. All right, I know. And knowing is uh, knowing is half the battle. So there you go. So we've just had a definitive answer there. So despite what I was always told growing up, and the more I think about this, 
the, the more I may have just gleaned this bit of non-knowledge from a Judy Bloom book, I think it's like in Super Fudge or something. Somebody makes some reference to blood bouncing off the ice. So, there you go. Judy Bloom, not a role model for science knowledge. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Our next guest has been seen on Seinfeld, The X-Files, The Sopranos, most famously as the character of Jigsaw in the Saw franchise. A part in which he has uh, warped and hopelessly traumatized Americans and folks around the globe. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, the star of Saw 6, which opens this Friday, October 23rd, Mr. Tobin Bell. Good morning, sir. How are you on this Wednesday? I'm great. I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me, Rick. I I cop to terrifying the uh, the minds of Americans. I don't know that I want to cop to warping the minds of Americans, but uh, hopefully we're not doing that. Well, it's a temporary we warping. All, all the mind we can get in this country. <laughs> Americans and humans in general do seem to uh, gravitate to horror films, and there's lots of, of reasons for that. People say that it's uh, it's just adrenaline or it's... Um, some sort of preparation for, for death. I think that's what Stephen King has said. Um, but do you have any thoughts on why people are so attracted to the Saw films, to, to horror films in general? <laughs> I love that. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, I asked a girl some years ago in New York, I said, why do you go to these, these horror films? Because she was a giant horror fan, and she went with, you know, the slightest, uh, you know, as soon as a horror fan hit a theater, she was there. She said, it's a visceral experience. It's a totally visceral experience. I think that it just boils down to that. More bang for the buck, you know, or for more bang for the 15 bucks or whatever it is you pay. Uh, you get to absorb a, a story, see some wonderful special effects, but you can't keep it distant from yourself. You, you, you find your body, you know, slamming back into the seat and gripping the armchairs and and uh, you're screaming and gasping. It's like taking a ride on a roller coaster, you know. I think it is a... That's what, that, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, horror fans are giantly dedicated to their genre. It is a, a celluloid-induced endorphin release, one might say. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you've made a career out of playing uh, bad guys. Everybody from playing Ted Kaczynski, uh, the Unabomber. Obviously, to uh, you know, to saw and in between a million different roles where you played villains of some kind, uh, was that intentional or was that just the way it, it sort of ended up for you? Uh, you know, I, I I don't don't honestly know the answer to that. It would be the the buyers and the you know who the, the, that would know better why why they've cast me in those roles. I must be honest with you though. Uh, whenever I play uh, these guys, whether it's uh, John Kramer or uh, Ted Kaczynski or whatever, I mean Ted Kaczynski does not view himself as a as a bad guy. He views himself as a hero. What did you think the uh, What did you think the first time you saw the completed cut? Of, of the first Saw film. When you first experienced that, did, had, did you have any idea that it was going to be as intense as it, as it turned out to be? Oh, yeah. When I read the script, I knew it was going to be intense. Uh, and I saw a 10-minute short before we ever shot Saw 1. That, and that was the short that uh, James Wan used to sell the film when he came to Los Angeles from Australia. So I knew the guy could realize his... Uh, his uh, mental view of what he was trying to create. I knew he could do it. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure that they were going to be able to shoot that last moment. I did not anticipate that last moment when I read the script. And uh, I wasn't sure that I thought if, if they can shoot this moment, uh, first of all, I thought the audience isn't going to anticipate this moment either. So the way that they shoot, 
shoot it is going to be uh, critical. And uh, if they can shoot it well, it's going to be an amazing moment in film. Uh, they did shoot it well, and Lee Wanell's reaction to it was just staggering. And uh, it, 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 I hadn't seen that kind of moment before, so I, I wanted to do the film just for that. And I'll just be the nine millionth guy to point out, uh, you know, how borderline creepy it is uh, to hear this voice on the phone because so much of that movie is about the voice and the the verbalizations of the jigsaw character um you know do people treat you differently when they talk to you when when you meet a fan or something do they does it weird them out where they you can tell they're merging you with the jigsaw character well you know i mean it's a 60 foot screen you know so it's it's hard sometimes for people to uh you know, especially if they're Saw fans. But I, you know, to, to differentiate between me, you know, who's a Pony League baseball coach, uh, and the guy up on the screen. But generally, it takes them about a total of uh, three minutes of talking to me to before you start to see them relax a little bit right. and, uh, and just kind of uh, be present and not uh, connected to some sort of image that they've seen up on a screen. Uh, so, uh, yeah, sometimes that happens, but generally people are, are very uh, enthusiastic and very friendly, and uh, and uh, I, I, I can usually disarm them fairly quickly and make them laugh. If you can make them laugh, then, uh, then they forget about it. Is it more fun to be the bad guy? Not necessarily. Uh, it, 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 sometimes, I mean, yeah, right, look, you get to do a lot of things as bad guys that you can't do in real life. You know, you'd end up in the who's go. You know? <laughs> yes. uh, uh, um, so that's kind of fun. We uh, are talking to Tobin Bell. The new movie, uh, Saw Six, comes out this Friday, October twenty third. I want to thank you for. Uh, I want to thank you for spending a, a little bit of time with us. And my final question here, as we kind of wrap this up, is: you know, you do these interviews all the time. Uh, you know, and people obviously are very fascinated with the movie and the character. What What are you most frequently asked to say? Like the kids on my Pony League baseball team, you know, we'll be we'll be and, and Tobin, do the voice, do the voice, do the voice, you know, and uh, and uh, you know, uh, so you know, I'll often say, uh, the, you know, the live or die, make your choice, you know, line or uh, game over, you know, it, that comes into play a lot, uh, you know, in baseball. Maybe you should start just working that into the actual baseball, you know, where you say, I want you to lead off that second base bag, and then maybe we'll go to McDonald's later. And I'll right, be right, right. Steal or die, make your choice. <laughs> Excellent. Third or die, make your choice. Best of continued success in, uh, in life, art, and all things, uh, my friend. I thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you go. So that's our uh, interview with Tobin Bell. We actually taped that yesterday morning. But you can see, and uh, and I know that Sarah doesn't you, like you haven't seen the Saw films. No, I love horror movies, but I don't. I don't know. That just seems kind of gross. And they're just. They're, uh, I'm not even going to say that they're like that. They're flawlessly made pieces of 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 artwork. I mean, clearly they, but they have the job to do, and they do it really ruthlessly and well. That's the thing about the Saw films. Is, I mean, if you want something that's just going to kind of crawl inside your head and and just sort of uh, and rot you a little bit from the inside out. You know, those are the movies to do it. But he talks exactly like that in the movies. And so when I when I picked up the phone yesterday, and you know I'm sitting there in the studio and I have the tape rolling, and I'm you know Greg and I are kind of uh, chewing the fat as they say, talking about this and that, any number of things. And I'm waiting for the, for Tobin Bell to call for the interview, and the red light rings, and I say, well, it must be Tobin Bell. Let me answer that. 
And I, you know, hi, Rick Emerson Studio. Hi, this is Tobin Bell. I'm calling to, and it was just, it was, I, I, just now my skin crawls. And even at the end when he was doing that thing just now where he was talking about it like it was his baseball league or something, you should steal second and try for home. It, it was, I mean, it was like my skin was crawling off of my body. You decide. I was so weird. Uh, and he was the nicest guy, and that's what made it doubly strange, mm. is that it was like, it was like, I, I don't know, it was like one of those things where that James Gum guy would be, you, you know, sort of like, I'm here to sell you a magazine subscription. And it was just, it was like, had the, putting it the strangest context. All right, well, in any event. Tim Riley coming up next with more news and observations for you as you begin your day on this Wednesday. 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. 7.20, we will have the top five songs that trashy drunk women always want to karaoke. That's at 7.20. The top five songs that trashy drunk women always want to karaoke at 8 o'clock. David Keckner from Anchorman. Stay there. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101 in mere moments. Tim Riley has the news for you. 7 o'clock, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will be here. And at 720, the uh, top five. Top five songs you are guaranteed to see a trashy drunk woman trying to karaoke. The top five songs a trashy drunk woman will uh, absolutely try to karaoke at some point during the uh, night's festivities. 8 o'clock, David Keckner from uh, Anchorman and The Office, etc. And uh, somewhere between now and 9 a.m., you're shot at a pair of tickets to see Pussifer at uh, the Rosalind the 14th, a sold-out show. Tickets for the 16th still available at uh, ticketswest.com. At this juncture, though, if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 208-4101. You're going to score yourself a $20 gift certificate to Value Village. Hundreds of new and used costumes and accessories for Halloween. Value Village is your Halloween superstore with the biggest selection and best prices in town. Get a complete costume for under $20. Go to valuevillage.com for Halloween tips and tricks and be caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101 to grab yourself a $20 gift certificate. At the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 645. You can expect showers all day today. Highs about 60 degrees. That misguided young couple caught throwing rocks at cars from that I-5 overpass near Tacoma. They're going to get four years in prison. Four long years. Is this the uh, with the hot girl with the raccoon eyes? Yeah, because they were bored. Yes. The hot girl with the raccoon eyes and lose a boyfriend. Threw rocks at 14 cars. One of them was a cop car. I feel that and she's that spelled uh, the end of the misguided fun. I feel that she was just uh, she was caught unawares by a disreputable man, though. I feel that she they're going to love her in jail. <laughs> she could be rehabilitated, Tim. Were they playing strip something yes, or other? Yes, they were. Wasn't uh-huh. the deal like what is it with people stripping off their clothes to bizarre activities this week? So we had the hockey guys who were having some sort of weird take off your clothes and roll around on the ice in the altogether shootout. And then we had this couple that were throwing rocks off the overpass. And I guess the deal was that if you hit a car with the rock, then you had to take something off. But of course, amazingly enough, apparently he kept missing and only she was hitting the cars because when they found her, she was just in her bra. So uh, uh, at least they're, they're trying to impress drivers and not horses. I may. Uh, they may work their way up to that later. I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of her. So I'll be uh, I'll be tracking her she rehabilitation. Did look a little dirty. She's uh, she's very much Rick Emerson's type. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, speaking of uh, jail, Bernie Madoff. Has plunged from his Manhattan penthouse to the lower bunk of a cell. He shares it with a drug offender. That's where he eats pizza, which is cooked by a child molester. 
and hangs around with the mob boss. I don't want pizza cooked by a child molester. Pardon me, can I get some... Chavalester pizza. Can I... Two for one. The pizza that is only cooked by a pedophile. Thank you so much. Delivered in less than 15 minutes. Yes. Meanwhile, time for Geek Watch. Here's your uh, Geek Watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson radio program. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, remember, you used... Just a television show. That's all, okay? (laughs) Right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. Here's Tim Riley with your Geek Watch for Wednesday. It's a two-parter. Video game sales are improving. Slightly. After six months of double-digit declines, the U.S. video game sales finally saw an improvement in September. Microsoft's Halo 3 ODST was by far the month's big-selling game. It helped push software sales 5% higher to $649.3 million, well below what was expected. It just wasn't enough. Part two. Well, first of all, before we move on from the uh, from Halo 3, let's uh, make a couple observations. A, Halo 3... Uh, is the game that has Nathan Fillion of Firefly and, you know, and Castle fame and Serenity, uh, fame doing the voice work for that, which almost was enough to get me to buy it. And I, if I hadn't been so unbelievably underwhelmed, uh, with Halo 3 itself, I might have, but I just, the Halo 3 didn't really, didn't really do anything for me. Um, and in fact, just, just speaking for myself now, this is only my own assessment here. But if you look at all three Halo games, I mean, just Halo, Halo 2 and Halo 3, not counting any of these sort of offshoots. The multiplayer and the online aspect notwithstanding, really every Halo game has been weaker than the one before it, in my opinion. And I know that's like heresy to a lot of people, and you're not supposed to say that, but it really is true. I Going back and playing the first Halo, it really is far and away the best of the three, just in terms of, of pure action. So the Nathan Fillion aspect there isn't enough. To, I mean, Microsoft's really going to have to find some sort of... You have to find some sort of different franchise, I think, because we're reaching a point of diminishing returns uh, on the Halo game. Also, we are now, I think, something like three and a half weeks away from Left 4 Dead 2, which will be... Oh, uh be excited. I mean, I really am, if only because... I've seen some of that, I, and I've tried to stay away from, like, a lot of guys will go online and they'll look at, like, a, the, the, like extended trailers or the previews or, you know, cutscenes where, like, you can see the intro of the game or whatever. And I try to stay away from all that stuff. Just like I try not to watch anything for the, you know, certain movies, like The Road. Like, I didn't want to see anything about it before I see it. But, like, with, the, you know, with Left 4 Dead 2, I'm trying to avoid seeing any of the stuff. But I do know that at one point there is a zombie clown or perhaps many zombie clowns. Because I think it's like the, the protagonist end up they go through like a carnival or it's like through a circus or something. And so there's just a whole bunch of undead clowns that charge right at you. And just having seen just the high-resolution screenshot, it was enough to sort of steal away whatever sleep you might be getting uh, in the future. So anyway. Well, it's, I'm going to uh, look up Zombie Clown. It's good times. All right, here's that part two of your Geek Watch. RIM, AT&T, and T-Mobile have announced the new BlackBerry Bowl 9700. It's a high-resolution, high-speed smartphone with an optical trackpad instead of the familiar BlackBerry trackball. I guess we're talking balls here. This is a T-Mobile version of the carrier's first 3G BlackBerry and the company's first 3G phone to support seamless calling over a Wi-Fi network. You have no idea what you're talking about, do you? You know, all I care about is having a phone that rings. <laughs> like the, uh, you just want the, uh, you just want the jitterbug. This is all it does. It just uh, it lights up and makes a noise whenever someone's trying to get a hold of you. The yeah. problem with the BlackBerry, which I love, don't get me wrong, I love my BlackBerry, I really do. But companies have got to quit doing this thing where they just, when they augment a product, they just add a number 
after the name of it, mm-hmm. because no one knows what that means. I mean, unless you work for for Research in Motion, which is the company that makes the BlackBerry, and again, I, we are all, except for Tim, I mean, Greg and Sarah and myself are all proud BlackBerry owners. We are BlackBerry enthusiasts. But you know, I, I saw the usefulness of it finally when we were standing in the lobby waiting for the movie to begin on Balloon Boy Day, and you guys had instantaneous information. Here That's I right, Tim. Asking any of you, please, please, sub- supply me with information. Trying to, call the, uh, trying to call the time number to ask the operator what was up with the Balloon Boy yeah. story. Well, we were, when we saw Where the Wild Things Are last Thursday, all uh, Greg and Sarah and myself were all in the lobby. Because, it was surreal. Because I think we've been taking, I think we'd all been taking a nap. You know, not like together. Not I like did. in a big pile or anything. Oh, I didn't get a nap that day. I didn't t- take a nap. Well, I did when I, once I got Well, we sort of been away from the news for whatever reason. I guess we've just been busy. And somebody, an somebody said, hey, what about the balloon boy thing? And we said, what balloon boy thing? And they said, well, it's all over the news. Let and me so, use this little hand contraption here and see what I can do. Magic device in my head. This hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy that I can hold in the palm of my hand that will give me access to a world of information. And we were able to look up all that all that stuff. So the Blackberry. So I don't have to buy one as long as one of you guys is around. As long, as, long as we continue to remain. Uh, uh, you know, uh, in contact with another Tim, you will have you will have proxy access to a world of knowledge. Well, we'll have to make sure we we stay in touch with each other. That's right, Tim. I'll make sure that I keep your phone number. All right. I won't ever actually use it because I know you don't like that sort of thing. But I'll make sure that I have it. The point is, we were all able to look up the you know the, the news stories together and you know able to figure out what was going on, and we were able to send it was a team f- effort, Twitter updates to one another and so forth. <laughs> but. But that being said, it's like whenever they do this with a BlackBerry, they will just say, well, this is the BlackBerry Bold, and this is the BlackBerry Bold 9000, and this is the BlackBerry Bold 9800X. You know, And to their credit, Apple didn't do any of that stuff. They quit doing that after, as soon as they got rid of the app, because there was the Apple II and the Apple IIc and the Apple IIe and the Apple II9-5-J and all that. They figured out that Americans can only remember, like, actual names and words. We can't remember what any numbers mean about anything. So all I, you know, which I just ended up going to the store and just sort of going like, give me whatever the new one is, which may be part of their part of their plan. The other thing I know about this is that this company that makes the BlackBerry is talking about, I guess, the BlackBerry Storm 2 is coming out. And the BlackBerry Storm is that thing that they released that they were trying to compete with the iPhone with. Isn't that like the touchscreen kind it of is, thing? You know what it is? It's an instant sympathy card for anybody you know that has it. I actually had lunch with my friend Andrew the other day, and we were sitting there. And I say, and he goes, "What's your contact info?" And I said, "Oh, I got this, you know, email address, and you know, whatever." I was giving him my my email or my something, my phone number. And he reaches into his pocket, and he takes out a BlackBerry Storm. And I said, "Is that a BlackBerry Storm?" And he kind of slumped a little bit. And he goes, "Yeah, it was on sale. I, I didn't know any better." And immediately, and it's just like he just, and all I did was ask the question. And he immediately had to apologize for it. It's like owning. Some of you uh, Gen Xers may remember the a car called a Yugo, which was uh, made in Yugoslavia. Oh, those are cute. They're cute. If only they worked or ran or were functional <laughs> they were in any like way. The most dangerous thing in the world. So they got this yuppie guy to do a commercial saying, "I would not sacrifice the safety of my life for anyone." That's right. Mm-hmm. The, the Yugo. It probably won't kill you. And it was a car made in Yugoslavia. And I mean, right even before the Civil War. And it was like four thousand dollars, brand new, and it, well, it, it barely qualified to be a car. And even in like nineteen eighty six, four thousand dollars, brand new, was not anything that should have been a tell to everybody right then and there that the Yugo wasn't something you ought to be buying. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to compare the BlackBerry to the. You go. I'm just saying they've. Uh, I think we've learned the mistake of uh, rushing products out before they are properly assembled and well, ready. It was kind of scammy, like that smart car. Sacrifice your safety to get five more miles per gallon. <laughs> it's interesting how, like, about three months ago, we were all going to sell all of our cars, and we were going to get me. those. We were going to get those smart, like the three wheeled smart cars, and we were talking about how they were going to have places to. We were going to be able to plug them in downtown, and we would all live in electric cities, floating on clouds high above the earth. And now it's just, you know, it's only October. I mean, the 
freaking recession's not even a year old, and we've all just sort of moved on from the idea of mm. getting a better, a more efficient yeah. cars. I, I got, see those I smart cars in a dumpster. What's that, Tim? You'll see those little smart cars in a dumpster. Well, you don't you sense that there's a factory somewhere that has already converted all of their stuff over to making smart cars, and suddenly it's just it's like fa- you know it's like families that laid in a bunch of supplies for Y two K. And then you just see them try at Amazon trying to sell their books about the dot-com boom of the 2000s. Oh, where's the video of Sarah Dillon and Greg Nibbler on the motor scooter yesterday? That's right. We should oh, post yeah. that when we were at the Real World uh, casting call. We'll talk more about that here in just a bit. I thought that was the highlight of the thing. Today. It really had to have been the highlight because there was nothing else there worth looking at. I mean, just a, just a, just a cast of mediocrities uh, came out to audition for that show. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at the top of the hour, Oregonian music editor Ryan White will be here at 720. We'll do the top five. The top five songs you are guaranteed to see a drunk, trashy woman try to karaoke. At 8 o'clock, uh, we will speak with David Keckner of uh, The Office and Anchorman. Stay there. That's your Geek Watch for Wednesday on The Rick Emerson Show. Hammer by the Sons of Warband. I shall avenge you. Next. Ooh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Youth to services that can help. Have a few extra gift, coffee, or prepaid phone cards around the house? New Avenues for Youth can put them to a good use right away as a youth incentive. Click on We Care A Lot at KUFO.com for more details on how to get involved. We Care A Lot! The Rock of Portland. KUFO Portland. Hey, Greg, let me ask you a question. Yes. About that PSA that just aired. Yes. That is a PSA, right? That's not from one of our many fine uh, paying advertisers. I believe that is a PSA, yes. It is Why a PSA. would I be giving the homeless a phone card? Who are they calling? <laughs> and feed the homeless with a phone card. And right. from where are they calling? They don't have homes. It gives them hope. These are these are all very good points. I don't even think there's pay phones. It doesn't give them hope. It gives them hope that next time they'll get something they can eat. All right. I hope the next thing will feed me. I'm just trying to help everyone out. All right. Doing a bang-up job. <laughs> I feel better already. Cars to break into houses. Yes. That's right, Tim. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Thanks. You're Greg Nibbler giving the homeless locksmithing uh, tools. Well done, sir. I give back. All right. Well, I feel better already. Who feels better? Oh, How- I do. Who's in a great mood? Woo! Who is full of hope for a better tomorrow? Uh, Me. How I about a better Thursday? <laughs> and the day after that. How about a better Monday? Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh. Oh. No. no. Oh. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. In mere moments, we will uh, speak with Oregonian music editor Ryan White. At 720, we'll have the top five. Top five songs you are guaranteed to see a trashy, drunk woman karaoke. These are uh, assembled by uh, Sarah Dillon, who witnesses such things. I mean, from a participatory. Yes. In other words, not as a participant, but you know, just from an observational, from a vantage point uh, in the audience, you see these things happen. You, of course, Many, would never do this. Of course not. I've seen the songs that you uh, that you karaoke, <laughs> and I participated in one or two of those, and they are... The last karaoke song I sang was with my friend Jedediah, and I sang uh, Time of My Life. Okay, see, as long as it wasn't Paradise by the Dashboard Light, because I like to think that that's a... No, no, that's our song. That's a, that's a you and I that's thing, Sarah. <laughs> uh, it's 503-228-4101. Also coming up at uh, 8 o'clock, David Keckner from Anchorman and The Office, etc. Plus a pair of passes for you to see uh, the Pussifer Show at Roseland the 14th. There's a show added on the 16th. And tickets are available for that uh, right now, ticketswest.com. But the 14th have been sold up for a long time, so we uh, we are your only hope now. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on your Wednesday morning. We have some splendid 911 calls. The first, first, Richard Heaney 911 call has been released, and we have it here. Awesome. And let's hear uh, someone break in, into Courtney uh, uh, Kardashian's house. It's been burglarized. And we have some other things, too. What are we going to do about that Made in Oregon sign? Some people have solutions to that. 
And uh, so there's a uh, House of Bill repute being rendered Washington State. Excellent. It's five. And have we found out why everybody thought Kanye West was dead? Is this a thing that we're ever going to determine the answer to? Well, you know, anytime somebody puts one of these rumors on uh, what do you call the, the Twitter, people believe it automatically. That's right, Tim. Whether people, or not it's true or people, not, people believe things unhesitatingly. It's almost like there's no filter on anybody's brain or mouth at this point. No, I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, this is that that's a statement I'm saying only in relation well, you, to you Kanye. Gotta be West. careful of what you write. That's right, Rickster. I'm, you're crazy. There's no. It'll come back to haunt you if you're wrong. There's no. That's Mr. Rickster to you. There's no. I'm not putting any sort of. Um, and the victims of these things get upset too. I hear. That's right, and then they take terrible, terrible retro. Attribution on those who have wronged them and no their bad, families. But there's no bad blood. And the friends of their families, people who owe them money, and then they burn down their village, and then like that, they're gone. It's 503 but I'm just saying, like, theoretically. No, we have speculation. Hello, Ryan White from the Oregonian. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> you look like you're from Detroit today. You've got like your, like your full-on dock worker outfit on. You've, uh, you've got the, like, the hoodie and the knit cap and the boots as though you're about to go uh, you know, cast a vote for union president at the shop. I thought you were going to say rob you. No, well, or, or that as well, or perhaps be given a phone card by Greg Nibbler. Well, yes. Um, why, why wouldn't I want a phone card? I uh, want to ask you first and foremost, because you've got, you did the Anthony Daniels thing, that you interviewed the guy who is, the, who is C-3PO uh, not too long ago, and then that was followed up by interviewing Clarence Clemens. It was. And when is that going to run, your uh, Clarence it'll, Clemens piece? It'll either be this Sunday or next Sunday. It's, it's going in the book section, because, you know, it's, it's world-renowned author. Clarence Clemens. Of course. Now. Wait, so this is Clarence Clemens who plays with Bruce Springsteen, the history yes. band. Uh, what is his book? It's called The Big Man. Really? Is yes, it? I was it so really hoping is. it wasn't called The Big Man. It really is called The Big Man. That's like when I found out that Larry the Cable Guy's book was just called Get Her Done, and then his first movie was Get Her Done, and then his first uh, special and his first box set were called Get Her Done. And then the next movie was called Get Her Done Again. I mean, that's you to know, keep getting her done. I have gotten it done. I, I will be getting it done again. <laughs> that, that would have been grammatically correct. I have gotten her done. Good God. Or um, close to it. So, is it freaky to talk to a guy, I mean, talking to the, the voice of C-3PO is one thing. Is it freaky to talk to a guy like Clarence Clemens, who's, you know, who has stood on stage with Springsteen basically since the very beginning, and who doesn't, you know, it's not like he, he's not really the public face of the band to the extent that Bruce is. He's a guy that you see a lot and you're very aware of and has a big persona, but at the same time, it's like you don't really hear from him. A lot. And so he's kind of an enigma, but he's well-known at the same time. Yeah, somebody actually asked me, as one of my editors, b before the interview, and she, she looked at me, she goes, have you ever heard his voice? Right. She goes, because I don't think I have. And I had, but only because, and I think probably only because they had done a, uh, a documentary that came out when they, uh, when they did the 30th anniversary of Born to Run, and there was kind of a making-of documentary that came, came in the box set, talking to all the people that were involved. Uh, in in the making of that record, and and so that would have been probably the first time that I heard his voice. But it was and everything about it was strange. It, it, you know, I got you know, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. A bunch of my friends are huge Springsteen fans, and everybody's you know, so many people bagged on uh, on Clarence immediately. I was like, hey, I'm talking to Clarence Clemens. He's not a very good sax player, really. Well, I don't care. That's like and people that Angus Young. That guy really can't play all that well, you know. He, he he's a passable sax player who is there for a lot more things beyond. Uh, I mean, I, the E Street Band is not the E Street Band without Clarence Clemens in it, and without you know somebody right. sta their stage right for Bruce to wherever he is, just shout, "Big man!" Did you have to fight off the urge of the entire uh, phone call to do that, just yes. to shout that at him? Yes, or take it, see. Awesome. The I remember seeing how was it? It wasn't it was because I've never seen Springsteen live ever. Uh, so I'm a bad I'm a bad rock nerd because I have failed at every turn to see him. And the only time I ever had the chance to see Springsteen, in other words, the only time that anybody like there was a, my friend of mine actually had tickets, and I lived in the in the Utah. A guy, the friend of mine had tickets and was going to see him. 
And it was Springsteen just doing like, it was like the, the ghost of Tom Joad or something. It was, like, it was just him and a guitar basically mm-hmm. touring by himself. And I actually, I actually passed because I felt like if I was going to see Springsteen, I wanted, I wanted the first time to seem to be the, the full-on band experience. And so I passed that night, and then, of course, I never had a chance uh, to go again because it was like I was always out of town or something came up or I wasn't able to get tickets or whatever. So that is like, it's just on the list of stuff that I, of stuff that I got to do. But, um, I, you know, you want to talk about a guy who has just, you know, been there, Clarence Clements. I mean, he's just been there for so many steps in rock history. I mean, what, was, what, do you, what is the first question you even asked that guy? Well, a lot of the book takes place. He's got a co-writer, Don Rio, who is is one of his best friends and who is one of the creators of MASH. Apparently, and he's he's done a lot of of stuff in television. And Don Don kind of went along for the ride through a bunch of the last two tours. Um, it was it, it really it, the the book ends right about the end of the Magic tour, which ended last year before they started in uh, this past February and the working on a Dream tour. It, it, and a lot of it talks about you know there there's kind of a subtext that runs through the entire thing of his physical health. He had both knees replaced after the last uh, tour. And so the first thing I just asked him was, because I'm going to go see him in Detroit on November 13th. They're like, how are you feeling? Right. And actually, he for the last tour, he had what amounted to a throne on the stage. And they even refer to it in the book as, as his throne. And when we saw him in Portland, I walked in. And I look up on the stage, I was like, Clarence has a throne. That's awesome. And, and he said that they don't have the throne anymore. And I told him, I said, well, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. On the one hand, I'm glad that you're feeling so well that you don't, you, you don't need the throne. On the other hand, my tickets in Detroit are right by the throne. And I, it's kind of cool. He goes, yeah, it was kind of cool. See, and that's the thing, that I, not even knowing anything about that guy. You know, Springsteen himself, of course, could never get away with sitting on a throne, but Clarence no. Clemens absolutely can. And, I, and it sounds like, and it, it sounds like the throne was actually Bruce's idea. He was like, "Well, we'll just get you a throne." Hey, I have a question. This is, it has nothing to do with Clarence Clemens at all. Why do they call Bruce Springsteen the boss? I have asked like five different people who are big Springsteen fans where that name comes from, and no one has been able to tell me. I don't know where it came from, but I mean, he very clearly is the boss of, of you know, he, he controls everything in... You everything know, in the known universe. Yeah, everything in the known universe. There's this hilarious moment at the end of the Magic Tour and that's in this book. They're flying away from Milwaukee. They played this Harley Fest thing. They did a three-and-a-half-hour show. Bruce just kept kept going. Clearly had going, nowhere else to be that going. night. And so they're on the jet on their way back to uh, New Jersey, and Clarence's back is killing him, and his knees are killing him, and he's stretched out on three seats, and Bruce is kind of making his way back through the plane, talking to everybody, and he gets back there to Clarence, and Clarence goes, did you forget to play any one song? We could we could turn the plane around and go back and do it, and Bruce looks at him and says, why don't you come up and uh, sit, in the, sit in the big seats up front? And Clarence goes, you have big seats up front? And Bruce shrugs his shoulders and goes, and Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. There ought to be a coffee table book, by the way, of just rock stars like knees and hips that have been replaced. You know what I mean? Where oh, you yeah. just, uh, you know, sort of like uh, where you get all the pneumatic, bionic, cyborg rock stars uh, that have had things from the pelvis down swapped out with titanium. Well, I think Nils Lofgren, the guitar player in the E Street Band, had both hips re- replaced after the last tour, too. And now here's Springsteen, who just turned 60, who's been crowd surfing for the last couple of weeks throughout the tour. Wow. Uh, with Paul Stanley, I think, just had that done as well. We come back, we will uh, do the top five. Top five songs you are guaranteed to see a trashy drunk woman try to karaoke. We're here with uh, Oregonian music editor Ryan White. You stay there. Plus, more news from Tim Riley on the way, and from Anchorman and The Office, David Keckner. Don't go anywhere. It's The Rick Emerson Show, live from Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO.
Wait a minute. Can I mention this on the air? Yeah, yeah. Go You've ahead. You've got an Ario Speedwagon Christmas album? Is it new or is it from back the, then? The advanced copy showed up the other day. The advanced copy for critical yeah. review only. With, with, with a press release that says, you know, we just really felt it was time to give these holiday classics the Ario Speedwagon treatment. <laughs> and boy, did they. Wow. I, could, I, I couldn't put it in my CD player at work fast enough. <laughs> I uh, And then I couldn't get it out fast enough. You said it sounds like the real Men of Genius thing? Their Deck the Halls it actually sounds like, like in the middle of it, somebody you hear somebody in the background go, We're gonna deck the halls! We're gonna deck the halls! Exactly. Oh, that sounds just a Bricks Alley. You're gonna well, you know that could, And that real Men of Genius guy is awesome. He does tours occasionally because the, that is the singer from Survivor. Uh-huh. Uh, and people don't don't know that, so I'm glad that he's found another career. Speaking of bad we'll, Christmas... We'll bring this in next month. Before we do the top five, I should say this. This uh, I don't know if you've heard this. Yeah, this is... Um, this is real, uh, incidentally. This is mean. We played this just for Sarah the other day. Ladies and gentlemen. How the hell did you read the Washington Post review of this? No. It was it was something along the lines of the fast songs are creepy, the slow songs are disturbing, and it's all awesome. <laughs> I mean, it appears to have been it appears to be Bob Dylan singing songs that he's never heard before that he's trying to sight read off the chart. Meanwhile, he's being accompanied by singers from actually a different century. Because there's a lot of, you know, the ah, angelic in the background. And meanwhile, and he has, I think he was under the impression that this was for some sort of Tom Waits tribute album. Because it sounds like sections of his larynx are coming loose as he belts out these lyrics. It does make me really want to hear a Tom Waits Christmas record now. Yeah. Like, I've always, like, he and Nick Cave should get together and do a Christmas album with just a black cover. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, we are here with Ryan White, music editor from the Oregonian. It's time for today's top five. Five, four, three, two, one, fire. Incidentally, I've seen the uh, the artwork for that Bob Dylan Christmas record, which is not it's not like a vintage recording that is that's just come out. It's called Christmas in the Heart. It looks like Needlepoint. It looks like it looks like a Needlepoint version of those uh, sort of scenes that used to be depicted on the side of Budweiser beer steins that they would sell every December, where it was like Clydesdales tromping through the snow, bringing Santa to your house with a bag of goodies. Except that it's Bob Dylan. <laughs> It's, it really is like one of the best things you've ever seen. Incidentally, we should point out it is 7.29 a.m. This time check delivered to you by Cooney BMW's 29-minute fast and free service. Performance has an address. It is Cooney BMW. These are the uh, top five songs that drunk and trashy women will always sing at a karaoke bar given the opportunity. Tim Riley. Honorable mention goes to Whitney Houston and I will always love you. Because when you are... Because everyone thinks that they can sing when they're wasted. That's the thing. It is so annoying. They do the wobbly voice. <laughs> Being the, I'm not going to sing the notes on the page. I'm going to go run up and down this I'm note gonna scale. I'm going to I'm going to feel it. The wobbly voice thing might be the worst thing that's... that's so it's know, worse than cancer. Come out. Yeah, well... <laughs> no, it is. It's true. That's a scientific fact. It's feeding uh, the homeless with phone cards. Yes. Yeah. Feeding, <laughs> yes. It's also worse than that. But being drunk removes a couple things. Your irony gene and also your ability to tell those things that, that you are skilled at from those things at which you are not skilled. Which is why you always see a bunch of hillbillies having like a brick throwing contest out back. You know, I bet I can catch it from 15 feet. The wham! You know, right into the teeth. 
the, the thing about karaoke that's always amazed me is it, it, it take you know it, it takes a, a seemingly normal person and makes them do things like this song or some guy will get up there and sing what about love or like <laughs> oh, somebody who would, somebody who would change that song in an instant if it ever came on the radio but right. somehow karaoke makes them think that that's acceptable that's a good point actually that if anybody in a karaoke bar heard anyone of those songs being performed that way elsewhere, you'd think that you were being punished for something, yeah. or that you'd fall into some sort of weird hell world, some alternate uh, universe. I've always wanted to, and I, and, I, and I still hopefully will at some point do a story. I just want to go out to karaoke bars and watch people's selections and then walk up to them afterwards and just say, why? Why Why are you doing this? Why, why did you choose that one? You, uh. you had that giant book in front of you, and you chose that one. Why? It's a simple question. Good God Almighty. These are the uh, top five songs that drunk and trashy women are guaranteed to sing at a karaoke night. Tim Riley, what might number five be? Sir, mix a lot. Baby got back. Oh, my God. God. Now, when this happens at uh, karaoke, do they play this intro as well? Or does it go right to the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun part? No, they don't play it. Um, the person actually karaokes it as well. Yeah. Really? And no, and they usually do it like this valley girl thing. Oh. And it's got the, uh, you know, it's got the words right up there. Oh, my God. Becky, look at her butt. Her butt. It's just so big. And it's always... Just correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just speculating here. Oh, God. Oh, is, it, is it always thin white women who karaoke this? I like big and then all of a sudden, they always start dancing right at this of point. Of course. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. it's so and it's, but it's like that weird jiggly uh, white woman's dance, like she's having a, a fit yeah, of some like kind. Yeah, finger, too. Like, a... like she's having what my grandmother would call a conniption fit. They all, and I'm picturing the woman who uh, karaoke this, I'm picturing her looking kind of like Lisa Kudrow a little bit, maybe. But maybe that's just because of that Friends episode where they actually sing this to the baby that's in the crib. I think it might be that. Yeah, it's more like just mousy girls who can't hold their liquor who like, you know. Listen to the contempt oh. with which you say that. And they can't drink either. And they can't hold their liquor. No, they just have like Jaeger bombs and, <laughs> and I don't know, like lemon drops. Well, that's exactly as, you know, as, as I was saying when we were, we, were in, we were in break. I was in Marquette, Michigan, up on the shores of Lake Superior in February. And there were, you know, two girls in parkas doing Jaeger bombs who did this song in what amounted to, you know, a shed of a bar. And I just kind of leaned on the wall, but not heavily because I thought the entire place could come down and was just amazed by the entire scene. I think it would be deeply satisfying if the next time uh, there's some like 98 pound white girl up there rapping this, if somebody just big and huge would come in and just beat her ass right there in front of everybody. I mean, I think that'd get a big round of applause. Mix a lot shit has the time to just go around two karaoke bars and stare people down for doing this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Sir Mix a lot goes to bars <laughs> to smack a bitch. That'd be a great reality show. Yeah. Now, you have to admit that this video is awesome. Them dancing on the paper mache butts. Oh, no, it's one of the best, yeah. you know, and here's the thing about it, <laughs> is that I know this is a fairly old song at this point. This is, what, 17 years old, something like that, 18? But when he did this, the great thing about this song is that it was a big comeback record because he was considered really washed up. He was considered played out, as they say. He had fallen off because of his age. He was considered over the hill, and then Rick Rubin got a hold of him. And, I mean, you know, you got to get up to a guy who, who finds a niche and then just, you know, just exploits it for all he's worth. God and he bless did write Bremolo, too. And he's from Seattle, so, you know, there you go. Could write a book titled, and then Rick Rubin got a hold of him. Seriously, I mean, the, the people who have been, had their career, he's sort of the, the he's the Quentin Tarantino of music. Uh, these are the top five songs that drunk and trashy women are guaranteed to sing at a karaoke, uh, karaoke bar. Tim? Number four, Elena Miles, Black Velvet. <laughs> Uh, this song came up in my writer's group last night. Really? Yes. Why? Somebody had a... It, 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 it's, it's not my story, and it's a long story, but somebody had a, had a story titled Black Velvet, and we all immediately sang the one line from this. Of and then course. I 
actually remembered who sang it originally. There's fun fact. There's Drew, actually Drew Shame. It's a lot of miles. Yes. There are two versions of this though. There's a lot of miles who sang the rock slash top forty version, and then there is the country version. The country version by and her name is escaping me. Oh, oh, oh. Because I used to have to play it at the same time. They do this a lot actually. They'll release a rock and a country version at the same time. Like, um, I it, it wasn't Toby Keith. It was um, uh, Tracy Tracy Lawrence. No, or is that is Tr- <laughs> Wait, is Tracy Lawrence the guy from uh, guy from Thirty Rock? No, that that there was a Tracy, is Tracy Lawrence, Lawrence the country, country singer. singer. Yeah, but I think he did that version of uh, I don't want to miss a thing, the Aerosmith Armageddon song. So they do these dual releases a lot, and there was a country version of Black Velvet that came out at the same time the Atlanta Miles version. And God help me, my wife loves this. Every she doesn't karaoke this, but she requested other people do this. My wife goes to karaoke. She will ask that other people perform this for her amusement. You ever just go out with a bunch Tracy of people Atkins, to karaoke and uh, you know just fill out the slip for somebody else in the group and throw it in yeah. there and it's something horrible? It's totally. Tim That's- would love to sing Proud Mary. Yes. That's how I find myself doing uh, Ice Ice Baby one night really? at the Alibi. Yeah. You felt like you had no choice, you had to do it? I, it, it was my birthday, so I got up there. It, and this is the other thing about karaoke is, I mean, aside from the videos, which are just great, like the best thing in the world, is you actually realize what some of the words in some of these songs totally. are. And they're worse than you ever imagined. The only other thing I can really say about this song is, A, I don't really understand what it's about. I know it's theoretically about Elvis, but that doesn't make any sense given the rest of the lyrics. Also, that she uh, she effed Robert Plant. Robert Plant apparently took her on tour to open for him, and then she opened for him. Go, Zam! That's morning show humor right there. You write that down. You've you been working up to that one all morning, haven't you? Well, that's what the people like, apparently. <laughs> it's 503. taste that national syndication after that line. And bile. Mostly national syndication. That's mostly bile. It's 503. that thing and you're going to go huge. Are we still, are we still talking about jokes there? Five zero three, write that down somewhere. You tweet that, and you'll yeah. go huge and blind. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. These are the uh, top five songs that drunk and trashy women will always sing at a karaoke bar. Number three, Meredith Brooks, bitch. Ugh. I've almost run out of ways to make fun of this song. This is going to be the day that we'll find out she's moved back to Beaverton. She's listening. I don't know. Somebody else take this one. Sarah, tag. She grosses me out. Yeah. And she's beaky. She's beaky, and she's like she has stringy hair, and uh, I hate like the sassy mom thing. And she was a hundred years old when she released this, and she claimed that she was twenty-eight. And I do know some cool moms, but she's not. No. I will say the real world audition yesterday. I I will say this. I, I will say that I like this song. I don't really care for her, and I don't really care for you know. And I get your thing about the you know I'm the cool mom, but I mean in terms of pure composition. I can respect the fact that this is a really well-written pop song. I mean, it's, I mean, look, we all know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I tried to avoid it when it came out, but I still know it. Ugh. I mean, it makes my skin crawl, but I still know every word of it, even though I never, ever, ever sought this song out to listen to. Ever. I just want to share the evil little grin on Sarah's face as she upped the volume there just slightly. <laughs> That's what she does. Quite a power. You know that when the uh, woman is karaokeing this too, that she's kind of given the finger pistol or whatever the female version of that is to her her girls in the front she's row. She's totally singing it to her girls and she's like yeah. leaning up and like singing to them out. So that way, and then like at one point, all of them can come up together and sing it. And this is totally. And you know that they're doing this at the karaoke night, like to get her drunk, to get her over the fact that her husband has dumped her for someone. That's the deal. I mean, it's like there is always at least one woman in that group who is recently divorced, and they are all out there drinking cosmos together. Uh, you know, to sort of to move, and that's and then of course you get the end of night photos where they're mashing their faces into the frame and they're holding the drinks up in the, in the photos so you can you know as proof that you know they know how to party still. 
And God Almighty. And then they all have T-shirts made to commemorate the occasion. It's uh, 503-228-4101. It is Rock 101 KUFO, the Rick Emerson Show. These are the top five songs that drunk and trashy women are guaranteed to sing at karaoke. Tim, number two. Number two, the Die Vinyls, I Touch Myself. Ugh. I used to have to play this song all the time. And the worst then, thing about this song, people sing it, hand motions. Uh, and again, the people who sing this are people that really probably have no choice but to touch themselves. Oh. Except that we are then all having Ew. to visualize it because they're on stage, as you said, doing the appropriate hand motions over the clothing. And I hate it when it gets to that, ooh, you know, that, um, that breakdown part. And, you know, the thing is, the chick in this band, I forget her name. The the girl that sang for the divine looks like a smoker. Yeah, she's hot though in kind of a porn star way. Uh, I mean, she does. She looks very porny. My, uh, this is not me saying this. This is my friend Todd who used to say this. Not Todd, the Sunday school this teacher. This guy that I know. It really was a guy that I knew. Same guy that I. My friend Todd coined the phrase "porn star pretty." He'd say, "Yeah, she's porn star pretty," which is sort of like trashy hot. He said about this girl. He said, "I apologize in advance for this." We were watching this video, and he goes, oh, man. It was like, he was like that, Peter, man, the breast chick is on. He was like that guy from uh, from Office Space. He goes, he said, like, aloud, and I think he forgot for a moment that, like, it was just the two of us sitting on his couch. I think he thought that it wouldn't sound as creepy as it did. It was almost subconsciously where he goes, man, that chick could suck start a Harley. And then it just sat there in the room. And, we, and I looked over him, and I said, what? what? And he goes, uh, nothing. Never mind. It was all very weird. So that's what I think of every time I hear this song. Thanks for putting that in our head. That's what I do. It's uh, the Rick Emerson Show. These are the top five songs you are guaranteed to see trashy uh, women uh, karaoke. Tim Riley, what might number one be? Shania Twain. That don't impress me oh, much. God, or anything else that has the words Twain anything. and Shania attached to it. Is this the you're, So You're Brad Pitt song? So You're a Rocket Scientist. Because, you know, being a rocket scientist doesn't impress oh, Shania Twain. Their press is no one. So you can help my career by writing songs for me. That does impress me. So you produce Back in Black. She's just a horrible, horrible person. And like her entire leopard print jacket, you know, shirt. Oh, yeah, it was that video. Yeah, she's standing by the side of the road, like hitching a ride or whatever. She never really improved from her first video where she was just wandering through the woods in a full-length red ball gown. I would love to see her attacked by rabid weasels. I mean, well, maybe that first video was probably the chance that she was wandering through the woods. Well, you can tell that her looks are probably faded because I haven't heard from her in a couple of years. Wow. You see, I could always count on you to go right to the mattresses with it. I will say this, though. Uh, that comment's kind of in the spirit of all of these songs and the girls out karaoke. Well, you know? because I, here's the thing about Shania Twain. Little little seeing her interviewed, you can just tell what a raging sea she is, too. I mean, there's just no she getting around like that. She person. just seems like a horrible woman. Um, and she just has that cold, brittle, icy politeness that I usually associate with the British. But she had it sort of just in spades. Um, and at, at one point, she was claiming she was an Indian. And they kind of called her out on it on the, on the, on the behind the music. And you wouldn't really expect, like, hard reporting from the, you know, from behind the music, but I mean, look, if you look at Shania Twain, there's one thing Shania Twain is not, and that's an Indian, all right? Uh, let's just, let's let's dispense with that idea right now. There's no getting around that, but final thing about Shania Twain, and I've told the story before, but we worked at what we'll call another radio station here in town. She came uh, through uh, to perform, and she did, you know, meet and greets. Oh, yeah. And the staff got to get their photos with her, and you weren't allowed to touch her at all, and they told you, they're like, don't look her in the eye, don't talk to her, don't touch her. And so, a friend of ours had his picture taken with her, and if you look at the photo, it looks like he's got his arm around her, but if you 
were there, his arm is like six inches above and behind her with a big space cushion to look like he was had his arm on her because you weren't allowed to touch her. So they they, they kind of introduce her as you would a tiger or some other zoo animal? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> don't feed the Shania? Don't tap on the glass, please. Fascinating. What's coming up in the Oregonian, Ryan White? Oh, we, uh, what have we got? We've, uh, got a little, we sat down with Tao with the Get Down, Stay Down for the blog. That'll go up today. Uh, the Clarence Clemens thing. Uh, Chris Funk and his, of the Decemberists and his girlfriend are p- producing a series of children's shows starting at the Kennedy School once a month, uh, starting Saturday with, uh, the Decemberists and a bunch of children's entertainment. So we're going to profile that. That'll probably run next week. Excellent. There's one thing we love here. It is children's entertainment. Absolutely. Read him in print in the Oregonian online at OregonLive.com. He is Ryan White from the Oregonian. Coming up next. More news from Tim Riley and David Keckner from uh, The Office and Anchorman. You stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. This is The Rick Emerson Show for all your cult-like devotion. And you just keep going on and on about uh, the size of his talent. On Rock 101 KUFO. Now I'm going to catch a bug with Rick. Ah, Rick is your new favorite. Yeah. Because he has a green card, he's cute. Rick Emerson for all your cult like devotion. He's delicious. So he's going to take me today to get a new toilet seat because mine got broken and was sliding. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Hey, everybody, it's Weenie and the Butt here live at the Quahog Air Show. We're all ready for the Weenie Sound Alike contest. I don't know, but I don't think they can say my catchphrase because they know funny. <laughs> Oh, there it is. And if you think you can say that just like Weenie here, you could win $97.1 for the cool weekend ahead. Weenie have a butt. Weenie have a butt. Cool weekends in the morning, 97.1 FM. Cool weekends in the morning with Weenie and the butt. WQHT 97.1. 97.1. 97.1. Weenie have a butt. In the morning, cool weekends. FM. Weenie. Weenie. And the butt. And welcome back. Uh, excuse me, I, I gotta find a lost kid. Can I use your mic? That's what she said. Whoa, you got butt slam! <laughs> Listen, I could really use a hand here. That's what he said. Butt slam! <laughs> That's Manic Monkey on 97.1. Manic Monkey, 97.1. Cool weekends in the morning. Oh, weekend long. In the morning. In the morning. On the radio. It's funny because it's true. It's not funny because it's true. It's 503. (laughs) It's not funny at all, actually. It's 503-228-4101. I'm glad we were always above that. That's right, Tim. (laughs) It's a rarefied kind of weight that we bring to the people of Portland. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text if you like at 52051. You can email. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... Rick Emerson.com. Coming up at the top of the hour, Mr. David Keckner, uh, who is uh, known to millions everywhere as champ kind from uh, Anchorman. Of course, he's uh, in the office. And I think he's, speaking of Seth MacFarlane. He's been in everything. He's in Semi-Pro. He's in Step Brothers. He's on American Dad, too. And I can't remember the name of his character. Awesome. Uh, but I know he has... Somebody told me he was on Hannah Montana, which I looked up, and that is true. But he also is... He's a recurring voice in American Dad, and I cannot remember who it is. Uh, but we will be uh, speaking to David Keckner coming up here in just a few. And here's... I'm just going to tell you right now that I'm going uh, to take advantage of this opportunity to ask him about uh, uh, you know, that guy Gruber, who is the... Um, uh, 
guidance counselor on Freaks and Geeks, who then, of course, was here. You know, he's part of Cinematic Titanic oh, as yeah, well. Oh, I met him. He was rad. Because they, I think they were together on SNL. Oh, cool. And I think that is, that's one of the guys that kind of got him his gig sort of, um, sort of early on when he was there, when he was at uh, Dave Allen, who, you know, Dave Gruber Allen, who I think got... Uh, Dave Keckner, a lot of his early roles. So I'm going to uh, sort of uh, ask him if that is true, because in my in my world, that is that is exactly how that played out. At the news desk, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 755. We'll have showers today. Highs about 60. State health officials are being overwhelmed by people asking for the H1N1 vaccine. The answer is you can't have any. Multnomah County Health Department ran out of it yesterday. They didn't even tell anybody they had it. There's no reason to worry, though. The next shipment arrives sometime next month. Really? We're all still late. I was just going to say, next month, by which the city will just be filled with a bunch of, uh, you know, we're just basically going to be, uh, you know, be walking around pushing shopping carts everywhere by that point, I think. They had, they had none, then they had some, now they have none again. Right. But it doesn't really matter because they never told us when the they had some part actually well, happened. you have to go to the H1N1 speakeasy. Is this going to be a thing where, code. like, do I have to call the hospital every day and just sort of They're check in, like, you. hey, by the way, do you have any of that swine flu vaccine? I get the feeling that there just uh, is never really going to be enough to go around, and that's why they're trying not to let it be known. It's sort of like a... Um, the swine flu vaccine is sort of like this year's Furby. You know what I mean? Where they're not really going to make it widely known that they're on the shelves because then it's just going to be looting and pillaging and chaos. Here's Tim Riley. A Marion County mad woman's leg has been run over after jumping out of her boyfriend's car. Rose Ellison's boyfriend picked her up. She was very intoxicated at a party. She tried to grab the cereal several times. He pushed her away. Then she threatened to jump out. She said, Go ahead, jump out. Well, she did. And was quickly run over by the rear tires. Oregon City's chicken code will remain in effect. The current code allows people to keep chickens only on property maintained at least 100 feet away from surrounding residences. Some people press for changes. They want more chickens. The city said no. No one wants more chickens. This is That's one of those things. We were just talking uh, a few minutes ago about these smart cars and how everybody was going to be getting rid of the regular cars. and They were going to be driving some sort of miraculous bubbly tripod thing to work, which, of course, didn't happen. Um and so it is with, man, if you spend any time at Hawthorne, you, you see these things all the time, like in those, those like weird homeopathic, holistic hippie store windows, where it's like, you know, they have like some seminar about how to raise chickens in your, in your Southeast pad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so that you can uh, stave off the recession, which is a thing that everybody sort of talked about for like three weeks, including my wife, by the way. She's like, it might not be such a bad idea. And I said, you know what? Wait 30 days. And if in 30 days you still think it's a good idea to have chickens in our backyard, you let me know. You should wait 30 days for everything, regardless of what it is. That's right, Tim, because one never knows what might change within 30 days. Or less. Well, let's talk about the uh, the Heaney 911 call. This is the original one. This is the Richard Heaney phone call. Never heard before. It's just been released, and you're hearing it here first. It was on the Heaney phone. 911, what's the address for your emergency? The, the address, uh, uh, 5434 uh, Fossil Ridge Drive. Okay, so the phone number you're calling me from? Uh, 970-204. 0482. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. All right. Don't call that. Uh, I'm, my, my family and I made an experimental um, flying saucer. It wasn't supposed to fly. It's not a saucer. We thought we had a thing tethered down. Okay. And, uh, my, uh, I'm trying so hard to emote. My six-year-old boy. What's wrong? He got inside and uh, it took off. Yeah. Okay, where's he at? Oh, the uh, humanity. He's in the air. I wish I could really act. Wow. Yeah. He's not bad. He's, only, he's oh, not bad. Oh, that's a lie, Tim. So 
I'm at the Harmony and uh, College. That's where. <laughs> That's where we were going to test it. Anyway, probably by Loveland Airport right now. I never get any callbacks. Can anybody? Can anybody rescue him? Nobody. When's the last time you saw him? <laughs> um, uh, uh, about 15, 20 minutes ago. You know. Minutes ago. Yeah. Okay. I mean, what do you do in a case like this? I mean, how to? How the heck are we going to get him down? Okay. First, I called the FAA. They told me to call you guys. I would have thought that they could, you know, uh, I don't know, send something up. This is some of the worst acting I've ever heard. It isn't bad. I, Tim, Tim, you're too kind. You are way too kind. I mean, it's like cable access material. Okay. Still. <laughs> My calling for man. Maybe it's wrong. <laughs> Someone told me that stammering equals emotion. Yes, my wife. Okay, can I speak to your wife? Yeah. Okay, thanks. Uh, yeah, is that the end? I mean, is it, and then it just ends? Well, is that part one? That's part one. Part Ooh. one. You're going to wait for part two, perhaps yeah. next week. Yeah, I... Uh, okay. My, the only thing I'm going to say about that call is this. You can tell it's fake. This is just my opinion. It's protected by the First Amendment of the, the Constitution of these United States, really. Did you, you laughed, you cried. Um... Th- you can tell, in my opinion, that it's fake, A, because he's completely unconvincing in his, in his sort of weeping and crying and lamenting and rending of his garments there. And also, because every time there's a slack moment in the, in the, in the conversation, he actually prompts her with information in the form of a question that later turned up in the news story, like, what are we going to do to get him down? Maybe we can send a helicopter or something. I mean, which it, it totally sounds like he has a script, and when she doesn't, like, sort of divine which way to go, he nudges her. Like, it's like a video game that, you know, like, keeps you on path because, like, by not letting you walk off to the left or the right, you kind of got to keep going this one general direction. Well, I, I, I think the mistake here is it's meant to be a monologue. Yes, I think and, so. and when she interrupts his train of thought, that's where it goes awry. Flying saucer, well, anyway, 911 uh, call, a their episode, one actor. Their episode of Wife Swap was supposed to be on a week from Thursday, and it's not going to be on. Oh. But you can see it online. As a matter of fact, you can see it on my website. No residuals com. for the heenies. No. All right. It's 503-228-4101. When we come back, Mr. David Keckner from uh, The Office, American Dad, uh, Anchorman, and, of course, uh, the new ABC series, Hank. We're back after this. The Rick Emerson Show continues next, live from Portland. Portland! Portland! This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Show me how to lie. You're getting better all the time and turning all against the The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Thank you for listening. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. So, uh, Mr. David Keckner is going to be joining us here in just a bit. Uh, it's been uh, pushed back by a few minutes. So we'll be talking to David Keckner from the new ABC series, Hank. You've also seen him in uh, The Office, Anchorman, The Voice on American Dad. So he's coming up here in uh, just a few. Plus, be listening for the sound of Pussifer. Uh, when you hear Pussifer sometime before 9 a.m., when you hear that song, you'd be caller 10 at that point at 503-228-4101. You're going to win yourself a pair of tickets to their show at the Roseland, which is the 14th. Second show added on the 16th. You can get those tickets at ticketswest.com. But, of course, uh, the show on the 14th has been sold out for some time. You can get yourself a pair of tickets if and when you hear that song before 9 a.m. and you're caller 10, 
You'll uh, win yourself a pair at 503-228-4101. That is later on. Right now, however, if you are caller 10, you'll uh, win a pair of tickets to uh, Fright Town, which is happening underneath Memorial Coliseum. Fright Town, a pair of tickets to Fright Town underneath Memorial Coliseum. If you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, it features three different and scary haunted attractions, courtesy of Cricket Wireless, Papa Murphy's, and KUFO. Now through Halloween, plus all winners qualify for the grand prize, a walk through Fright Town with Rick and Sarah, plus monster makeovers. That's now at 503-228-4101. This is Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 817. We're going to have showers today. Highs about 60. A jerk who threatened innocent people with a gun at a Gresham Max platform is being sent up the river. Joshua Johnson will spend the next 84 months behind bars after threatening two ladies. Cops quickly found him at home with a loaded gun shortly after that incident. A serial robber is under arrest. 42-year-old Michael Jean Benson is allegedly linked by DNA evidence to stick-ups at two Motel 6s, a travel lodge, the liberated world adult store. What kind of DNA evidence would, would be linking him to stick-ups? I don't know. I mean, he's sticking people Ew. up with a part of his body. No, that that would be that is slang for robbery and news talk. Right, I, but I I, well, just, I understand. Have, but he I, must have touched something at the Liberated World Adult Store, or like maybe he left uh, fibers or hair or something yes, behind. Something at Blackwell Steakhouse, two Motel Sixes, a travel lodge, and something called Ed's. <laughs> Look, if you're leaving DNA behind it, two Ed's. Motel Sixes, travel lodge, and a place called Ed's, uh, it may not be so much sticking up as it might be in. That's that's just my speculation. Here's Tim Riley. Uh-oh, there's a uh, peeping Tom gawking in Washougal. Residents are complaining about a spooky guy knocking on their windows and peeking in and trying to get into their basements. He des- he's described as six feet tall and brown hair and icky. It's really not even the looking in the window that creeps me out there. It's the knocking on the window. Because yeah. that's a whole lot of like, peeping Tom here. I'm looking at you while you sleep, just so you know. All right. Back to your business. You're beautiful. Just- <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, I like the way your nostrils open and close when you breathe. Who wants to hear uh, another 911 call? Me. I do. All right. This is from uh, Courtney Kardashian. Uh, she reports her home has been burglarized. 911, what are you reporting? Hi, um, I had a robbery at my house. What's your address? Sounds very cheerful. Wait, wait, which one's Courtney? The pregnant one. Uh, across your... No. Yes. What? Okay. And about what time do you think this happened? Um, I went to dinner for, um, probably an hour ago. Okay, and what happened when you came home? You found what? I, well, first my front light was off. No, I turned it on when I walked out of the door. This is less and interesting then, than the balloon dad. Why is the front light off? And then upstairs, my boyfriend saw that the drawer was open on his end table. My penguin always faces due south. My new mine wasn't blah. open. And then every one of my closet doors was open, so we ran out of the house. That's boring. That is that is the that worst is like nine one one call we have ever played. No offense, Tim. I know that you you can only use the material that is the news provides to you every morning. But yes, that that nine one one call sucked. She's a so she's not the famous one or the fat one. She's the pregnant one. Yes. Yeah. The the fat one just married the 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 guy the, yeah. from the Lakers. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I suppose. I the, I mean, yeah, whatever. I guess my point is, that, you know, they must. I mean, they they are people of means. That family has money. The Kardashians have got. I mean, from the TV show and that store, they do with you know they, they run of nothing else. If you had money, why would you not just put a huge gate around your house? Like a big, massive, big-ass fence. That's the first thing I would do. I don't have any money, and I have one. That's, that's what I'm saying. And you have, uh, and you have people. You have, uh, what is it, the, what are your gardener's names? 
I, I'm not going to divulge any more information. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that, uh, did that get you in trouble? Well, no. Did the gardeners say uh, they didn't like being referred to on the air? No, it's right. nothing like that. Would your gardeners, would they defend you from uh, trespassers, do you think? Well, they don't know me by name. No, but I mean, they know that you're the guy who pays them. I mean, that's all that matters, right? Well, the Homeowners Association pays them. All right. Oh, so, see, I didn't know that. I thought that maybe you uh, had your had privately retained gardeners to come in, you know, to give your lawn that extra little bit of uh, loving care. No, but I do ask for extra services. Do you give a Christmas bonus, if I may ask? No. Really? But you well, ask for extra services? Well, we're charged an extra fee twice a year, and I'm sh- still not sure what that's for. So everybody who lives there, is it the Homeowners Association charge everybody there a, an extra fee just for no reason? The, uh, twice a year. And they don't give the reason for it. It's just a gratuity to the Homeowners Association. I suppose so. It's just part of the perk of living in a good community. Yes. I wouldn't know anything about that. Here's Tim Riley. So a woman makes a fake... I wish I had this. We'll probably have this by tomorrow. Police say an Idaho woman who made a false 911 call to lure paramedics out of their station made a real emergency call minutes later when she got trapped underneath the station's garage door. That is fantastic. Until she died. Oh. Uh, Well, wait a minute. No, but did she have it coming? It sounds like she might have. Yes. Where was this? Uh, This was in uh, Caldwell, Idaho. It sounds as though she may have brought this on herself. So she uh, suffered when she was crushed by the closing garage door. Excellent. She is a former paramedic at the station. She had been trying to crawl under the door after the ambulance left to respond to a non-existent traffic accident. She called it a few minutes later. Why didn't do it? Now, do we know? Obviously, we can't interrogate her. I mean, we could. It would be pointless. Mm -hmm. But do we know why she made the fake 911 call? No, we don't. So she made a false 911 call. Mm-hmm. Where, where? I'm confused. Where was she when this all started? Outside the uh, paramedic station. Oh, so she was probably, so it's like she was trying to get in. Mm-hmm. And so to get the door open so she could get in, she made a false 911 call. The door goes up. They leave. She says, aha, here's my chance to get inside. She, st- she goes to the door. Then the door comes down and crushes her. She calls 911 to get some help, but there's no help to be had because they're at the fake 911 call that she herself called in. Correct. Awesome. There you go. And she suffered? Oh, yes. Splendid. Mm -hmm. All right. Wonderful. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. When we return, Mr. David Keckner will uh, grace these airwaves. He's on the new ABC show, Hank. Also, American Dad, The Office. And, of course, he's champ kind in Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. That's all on the way. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Look, if we're going to make out, you're not going to give me typhus or something, right? I mean, can we just, uh, can we have an honest discussion about that? This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Our next guest can be seen on Hank, Wednesdays at 8, p, uh, 8 p.m. on ABC. You know him as well from his role as Champ Kind and Anchorman, the legend of Ron Burgundy. Also, uh, Talladega Nights, thank you for smoking, and uh, on The Office as well. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Mr. David Keckner. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? I am uh, fantabulous. It sounds like you are way more awake than we are, so uh, you, uh, you're you already one in the wind column. What? <laughs> kids in the background? Yes. So you have no choice but to be awake. <laughs> That's right. That's right, baby. 6.30 every morning. They're all having some cereal. What do we got? We got some Cocoa Puffs there. They're 
here is Lucky Charms and Charlie's having Honey Nut Cheerios. Do I get a case of each of those from my radio station? Excellent. I'll have the uh, payola sent to immediately to your house. I'll have that overnighted. <laughs> Audrey just told me I'm going to have this one. What uh, is your what is what is the breakfast cereal of choice in your world, sir? I like to mix three together. I take Crackle Oat Bran, Lucky Charms, and Weetabix, and put them together. I'm an old man. Weet Weetabix. Weetabix. And, you're also uh, apparently from. You're also apparently from London. <laughs> it's a good multigrain. Excellent. But you, I have to ask you, uh, before we do anything else here, um, Hank has such a, a great cast, uh, you know, the cast of the show. It's not just yourself, it's, you know, it's a bit, it's, it's Kelsey Grammer as well, and then Nathan Gamble, who people might remember from his role as Dirk in the movie, uh, Rushmore. Tell us a, a bit about y your character. What does, what does, as James Lipton might ask, what does David Koechner bring to the table? <laughs> I think, I think volume. <laughs> just volume and Weetabix. Volume and a wide variety of European <laughs> breakfast foodstuffs. So it's volume on two ends. Uh, uh, Green Funk is the burr under the saddle of Kelsey Grammer's character, Hank Pryor. Uh, so that's what I bring. Grief. I bring grief relief. Are yeah, you just I, a, uh, are, uh, uh, Hank, Hank Pryor is a failed CEO, a uh, disgraced former CEO, and he's my brother-in-law, and I love that he got his comeuppance. Are you just reading scripted talking points right now? I want you to be honest no, with me. No, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Yes, this doesn't at all sound like it was written by the heavy-handed uh, uh, PR firm of uh, of whoever at ABC. I I will say actually that Grady Funk, by the way, just in terms of names, right there, that is, uh, you know, you get points for uh, you know with me for just having for taking back uh, the name Grady from Sanford and Son. I mean, it was about I time was that that name right, is right. Exactly, like they hit on another sitcom name, Grady. Exactly, isn't that funny? Somebody told me actually. Tell me if this is true or not. This might be just one of them uh, them there urban legends that you were actually you either study political science. Or you were a poli sci major at some point. Is that true? I, I was. I was a poli sci major. That is tr absolutely true. And then at and some then point, after, after three years of it, when I got to the legislative classes, I was like, "Wow, this looks awful. This looks like homework the rest of my life. I don't want to do this." I need to find so, uh, something stable like comedy and acting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got a guaranteed career. What was the uh, what was the d the deciding factor? Did you just go in one day and they said, and "Now we will talk about Tort Review Volume seventy five And you just said, it "F was, this, yeah. I'm out of here." Yeah, it was about like that. It wasn't law, but I realized I could only be a lawyer, a teacher, or you know, some uh, what do you call it? Uh, 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 gosh, I can't remember the term right now. Right? Well, these just these political hacks. I was like, Oh God, I can't, I can't do this because in yeah, the romanticized version of it is that you're helping people because you have this power as a senator or 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 a, or a uh, you know a congressman I, you know part of it was I remember a guy uh, that was also a poli sci major who said he wanted to be a senator and I didn't actually have goals like that I had like more altruistic ideas of what you could do to help people in government and I when he said senator I was like oh I've never stepped foot on a golf course I'm not going to be a senator what am I thinking <laughs> so at the beginning so, at the beginning, you were sort of like, you were like Robert Redford at the beginning of the candidate, and uh, then, oh, like, yeah. a semester later, yeah. you're Robert Redford at the end of the candidate, and I've chosen badly. <laughs> yes, I've chosen poorly. So then I visited a friend in Chicago, and I'd always been a fan of, like, Saturday Night Live, and, and I knew a lot of those people had come from Second City, so I went and visited a friend and went and saw the show at Second City, and I thought, oh, my God, this is what I want to do. And then I moved to Chicago. 
I'm always fascinated by people actually who do who do comedy with you, people who are uh, you know either are comedians or who act uh, comedically for a living and finding out their inspiration. Do you remember the first piece of entertainment that really opened your eyes to, to comedy? You want the truth? I was in third grade, and uh, at the end of one day, uh, we were uh, waiting for the bell. We had like four or five minutes left, and the teacher said, does anyone want to come up and do something? So I went up with Bob Best, who was the best laugher in the class. I got the guy who I knew would laugh at anything, and we came up to the front of the class, and we had our coats on. It was the winter in Missouri, and I just took off my stocking cap and started rummaging around and put it on his head, and then my head, and then back over his head. And he was just laughing, and it made the whole class laugh. That was my first sketch. You know, the best part about that is you are at a point in your career where you could probably get that greenlit as a series and maybe like a novel. You get yourself a development deal at Paramount with that today. Sketch comedy, you know, which and I hate to even use the word sketch comedy because it seems like such an insulting uh, term. But it, it it went through this period where it was just. Bad. It was just at this nadir for so long, and I don't know if you saw that from your vantage point as well. I mean, you know, I'm thinking like maybe 12, 15 years ago. What was, I mean, looking back as you know, somebody who's in the industry, what was kind of the low point of, of comedy? When, when did it kind of reach its all-time rock bottom? Boy, I don't know. Um, you know, that, that'd be, that's a good, uh, that's a good, that's a whole evening of discussion, isn't it? You know, in terms of, of movies, is it the movies or, or TV comedy? At what point was it its, its lowest? I think probably, you know, it all ties together with stand-up comedy being so uh, ubiquitous in the 80s and everybody right. on earth was given a, a series and a movie. Yeah, when it got diluted. So maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe then toward the end of the 80s, early 90s, when there were uh, just a whole spate of, of, of comics that got their shot and they, they worked or didn't work. But, you know, there were some, a lot of great shows. Comics were really strong. The sitcom was really strong in the 90s. Excellent. Mr. David Keckner, the show is Hank on ABC. It airs Wednesdays, 8 p.m. So I will let you get back to your breakfast cereal. Best of continued success in all things, my friend. Thank you for spending some time right with us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101. KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. How great was David Keckner? He was fantastic. He was exactly what I wanted him to sound. That's the thing. It's exactly, you know, people sometimes, uh, they will criticize us for uh, for talking about interviews once they're over. Those people can, uh, they can get bent is what they can do. Because, you know, if you talk to a guy who's cool, especially a guy of some note, I mean, it's what everybody else would do. I mean, I'm not going to try to be cooler than the room. I just talked to David Kector, but it's not a big deal. It's totally a big deal. He was awesome, too. And that guy talking about breakfast cereal is funnier. I mean, let's just be honest. Comedians are usually unfunny, and they're loathsome, horrible people. Uh, just completely devoid of any actual uh, talent or spark or wit or enthusiasm or for souls. life. Or souls. Usually not nearly as deep or troubled as they would have you believe in a misguided effort to make themselves look romantically alluring. Fapid Hollywood types. That's what I'm saying, Tim. They're jackasses. Uh, he, however, just talking about breakfast cereal, was hysterical. I mean, that's just that some people are simply funny. He's one of those guys. You can hear that at uh, KUFO.com, uh, the Rick Emerson Show podcast up there each and every day. Let's pay a final visit to your personal savior. It's Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 848. We're for showers today. Highs near 68. So the question is, could the city buy the Made in Oregon sign? 
Commissioner Randy Leonard is trying to get the city to do that. Now, that's if he can't form a coalition of hotels to buy it first. You think all these hotels... Well, wait a minute. They did have to close one down for a month, so what are we, they don't have that much money. What, what are we talking about here in terms $20, of... $20,000. But that's to buy it. What does it cost to... Because the buying it isn't the issue. It's the... I can't believe me saying this. It's the plugging it in and leaving it on part, right? They, they want to yeah. pay for that. Do we know how much it would cost? No. So we have no idea how much it costs to, to, to keep the lights on. But he, he'd like the sign to read, Made in Portland. Whatever. How about we just plug the sign in and have somebody pay for that part and leave all the rest of the sign alterations for another decade, huh? Why don't we uh, leave alone any further meddling with the sign? That seems to end badly. For Why don't you get back to putting giant gaudy-ass roses on top of buildings downtown that don't need them? That is Randy Leonard, by the way. those effeminate roses on police cars. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad guy. Those are tough guy roses. (laughs) Randy Leonard seems like a... There are roses among thorns. He seems like a good guy. He seems like a guy that can... He is obviously a guy that can get things done. And to be fair, he helped to broker the compromise... Um, uh, Anna Griffith in the Oregonian uh, wrote about this, uh, you know, extensively. He, the, Randy Leonard's the guy who helped to broker a lot of these compromises, yeah. like keeping the Made in Oregon sign. But let's let's focus on the issue at hand, which is maybe keeping it on, as opposed to immediately jumping to what should say. Leave alone the issue of what the sign should say. Let's all find something else to argue about for like a year or something. Jesus God, here's Tim Riley. I love this local chat. Josephine County had its first death of the swine flu. A 41-year-old woman died in the emergency room last week. They're finally getting around to reporting it. Unfortunately, it's someplace that we've never heard of. Where? Down in Old Grants Pass. Josephine County? Josephine County. All right. I don't Good believe... Josephine County. Josephine I don't think County. I've ever even heard of Josephine County. Well, it's it's the county seat of Grants Pass. I mean, so I Grants know where Pass Grants Pass is, but that's like one of those well, counties. Well, it's part that they... of Josephine County. All right. I don't know what, who it's I just failed on the local talk front right there. So, uh, as of Tuesday, 239 Oregonians have been hospitalized for influenza since September 1st. And there's no more uh, vaccine. They ran out of it yesterday, even though they didn't tell anybody they had it in the first place. But there's more coming. Don't you worry. The government has your best interest at heart. At no time should you be unnerved by the fact that they wouldn't tell you where it was stocked or how much there was or the fact that it's gone. Oh. A Cheyenne man is being charged in federal court with counterfeiting money, allegedly to pay an exotic dancer for a private session in a swank Cheyenne hotel. Ricky A. Kemper <laughs> faces 20 years in prison on uh, making and possessing counterfeit money. You see, he wanted to invite some lusty lady back to the that he met at the Green Door Lounge on East Lincoln Way. Uh, is that also in Josephine County? No, no, this is uh, whatever Cheyenne is in. It's in Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing of interest in Wyoming. And there's no swank hotel in Wyoming. Let's dispense with that what fiction right now. What about the Lariat Motel no. on Central Avenue? No. Well, that's where he invited the gals. You know, you think if you're going to take the time and trouble to go counterfeit money, which, by the way, you got to figure, you know, it takes a, 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 a fur piece of effort, as my grandmother used to say, if the man isn't going to come nab you, which he ended up doing anyway. You think you could get a, just, just, like, get a job, or I don't know, try to develop some sort of a skill so, like, a girl wouldn't charge you, uh, you know, to uh, have a close encounter with your person. So, anyway, the taxi driver told investigators they dropped off one of the dancers and proceeded to the motel. Or Kempster said, oh, Kempster asked the cab driver, please hold my roll of $50 bills. Well, the driver noticed there was funny-looking money, and it wasn't evenly cut. Also, he noticed that the guy asked him to, quote, hold my roll of $50 bills. In Cheyenne, that must be the mark of a millionaire, and 
He was probably, well... If this is the same story I read earlier, all the bills, they were not only uh, badly cut, yes. they all had the same serial number as well. Mm -hmm. He just used the one, and I think it came out eventually that he just Xeroxed it like at like a Kinko's or something. There, no, he, so. had, he had the, the uh, print and press at his home. A print and press? Mm -hmm. So he, wait a minute, this makes even less sense. Where would you buy... If I, Sarah, if I told you that like by 10 a.m. this morning you had to buy a printing press, where would you do that? Craigslist. Probably, yeah, I would probably just go to a print shop. Yeah, but see, you say Craigslist. I'm going to Craigslist right now. Right now, too. I want a printing press that'll do money. How about wanted? Hold on. Counterfeit money press. Portland. Yeah, you. why don't you type that? There are a ton of them. We'll, we'll arrange for a substitute news person. Really? Because mm -hmm. I was about to say, if you well, can... We only need $800 to pay this private dancer in Cheyenne. I mean, if you have the initiative to get yourself a printing press, it seems like you ought to have the brains to not use the same serial number on everything and then to ask some jackass taxi driver just to hold your roll of 50s. So you're seeing printing presses for sale. How much might I expect to pay for one? Let's see. It ranges from $300 to $1,400. Ask him if I can pay for that with a roll of 50s. Here we go. Uh, printing press. Printing press. Now, see, I put in printing press and I'm getting Pearl Jam tickets in return. Naked what? Lunch by William S. Burroughs. What kind of, what the hell kind of Craigslist page you, am I on? Are you looking for, for sale? No, I'm, oh, this is, I'm just looking for whores. Uh, I'm sorry, that's my, I was just that's instinctively go to the whores That's a different kind of press, Tim. <laughs> Morning show. All right. Let's do uh, one more here and then we'll uh, wrap it up. All right. Well, then there's a story about good plumbing is apparently a very serious matter for one family in Vermont. Nizin Himudi stabbed his son Jeffrey with a screwdriver after the two began arguing over a clogged toilet. The 53-year-old father had reportedly been drinking when the accident occurred. Jeffrey was taken to a local hospital, but an update on his condition has not yet been released. He's been charged with first-degree assault and is currently being held on $15,000 bail, and that's a lot more money than it would cost to call a plumber to apply the toilet. There you go. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Make a note of it. Uh, Buzz is up next with Smells Like the 90s at 9. Court and Fatboy this afternoon, 3 till 7. We will return tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. Tomorrow's guests include Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week, another exciting installment of food porn, and a guy who claims he was Michael Jackson's bodyguard. You go to his website, which looks... no proof. <laughs> seriously, it looks like it was made on Angel Fire or GeoCities or something, uh, like in the Hollywood section. You go to his website, there are photos of him with lots of people, none of whom are Michael Jackson, and everything is done in the Comic Sans font. So, you know, you can draw your own, uh, draw your own conclusion there. You giving up looking for a print and press? No, nah, I've given up. I, no, if there's no horrors there to be found. I'm not going to peruse that page any longer. You need the money first. Point of diminishing returns. Uh, so that is all coming up tomorrow. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent James Roop for joining us today. Also, uh, actor and comedian David Keckner, Ryan White from the uh, Oregonian. You can uh, read him in print of the Oregonian or online at OregonLive.com. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. For Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress Bridget from upstairs, and the alpha broadcasting marketing guru Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Buzz coming up next at 9 with Smells Like the 90s. Court and Fap with this afternoon, 3 till 7. We'll back tomorrow at 5 a.m. Until then, it is Wednesday, October 21st, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. My name is Rick Emerson, and watch out for snakes. Thank you all for listening. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.